Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So briefly, but his bid for the presidency Recorded was either an act of astonishing self confidence or part of some greater game plan that had been determined before he first stepped foot in the cap- capital. So how many must wonder, was he selected to be a 2004 keynote speaker at the Democratic Convention that nominated John Kerry when virtually no one had ever even heard of Obama before? So he outmaneuvered Hillary in the primaries. He took Iowa by storm. He's a charming young man, an anomaly in the state with a very small black population, and he oozed cool in a place where agriculture was the antithesis of cool. He dazzled the locals, and he had an army of volunteers drawn to a charisma that hid any real substance. And then he had the good fortune of having the Republicans select one of the most inept candidates for the presidency since Bob Dole. And then John McCain did something crazy. I mean, he did something unbelievable. He picked Sarah Palin, an unknown female governor from the state of Alaska, to be his running mate. It was the ticket that was reminiscent of 1984's Walter Mondale and Geraldine Ferraro, and they went down to defeat. So the mainstream political media fell in love with the guy. It was a schoolgirl crush with federal commentators like Chris Matthews swooning then and now over the man, and the venom directed against McCain, in particular Palin, was unbelievable. Now, with six to six full years into his presidency, seven almost, all of those gilded years leading up to the White House have left him unprepared to be president. The guy's left to his own instincts. He became a talent for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it became a joke that he could not ever deliver even the briefest of statements without the the ever-present teleprompters. Far worse is his capacity to want to wish away some terrible realities, not the least of which is the Islamist intention to destroy America and enslave the West. And any student of history knows how swiftly Islam initially spread. It knocked on the doors of Europe, and it gained a foothold in Spain. So the great crowds that greeted him at home or on his campaign world tour were no substitute for having even the slightest grasp of history and the reality of a world filled with really bad people with really bad intentions.
and oddly and perhaps even inevitably his political experience which was a cakewalk has positioned him to destroy the democratic party hold on power in congress because in the end it was never about the party it was always about his communist ideology learned at an early age from family mentors college professors and extreme leftist friends and colleagues so obama is a guy who could deliver a snap judgment about a boston police officer who arrested some harvard professor friend but would warn americans against jumping to conclusions about a mass murder at fort hood who shouted allah akbar and the absurdity of that was lost on no one and he has since compounded this by calling the christmas bomber an isolated extremist only to have to admit a day or two later that the guy was a part of an al-qaeda plot this is a man who could strive to close down our detention facility at guantanamo even though those released were known to have returned to the battlefield against america he could even instruct his attorney general to afford the perpetrator of 9/11 a civil trial when no one else would even consider such an obscenity and he is also a guy who could wait 3 days before having anything to say about the perpetrator of yet another terrorist attack on Americans and then have to elaborate on his remarks the following day because his first statement was so lame so the pattern repeats itself he either blames a problem on the bush administration or he naively seeks to wish away the truth so it's like knocking on the door and saying hello anybody home is anybody there the guy exists only as a puppet of his handlers of the people who have maneuvered and manufactured this pathetic individual's life when anyone else would quickly and easily produce a birth certificate this guy spent over a million dollars to deny access to his most other documents the paper trail we all leave in our wake has been sequestered from review and he has lived a make believe life whose true facts remain hidden even his wife mentioned that they visited the country of his birth Kenya the country of his birth you did know she did not accompany him on the trip to Saudi Arabia on which he actually bowed to the king because being a muslim required him to do so and that same faith prevented him from taking her with him So what do we do? We laugh at the ventriloquist dummy. But what do you do when the dummy is the president of the United States? It's time for change, folks. And the ones upcoming, you know, Hillary is going to be just as bad as this idiot that's in office now. I think we got to take a walk on the wild side, really. and go so bizarre that 
nobody would even think twice. I think Donald Trump has got to be the guy. <laughs> and I'm saying that with a straight face. Okay, I want to get into something else that has bothered me for a long time. Why and what is the basic cause of crime? Well, we know that violence in modern society is increasingly associated with property crimes as individuals are willing to resort to whatever means necessary to secure desired goods. A kid steals a candy bar because he wants to enjoy the taste. A young guy breaks into a house to steal a new stereo because he wants to enjoy listening to the latest tunes. A drug addict sticks up a grocery store shooting the owner in order to get the money that he needs to get high. A bank executive embezzles a million dollars so he can run off with his girlfriend to enjoy life in the Bahamas. A woman murders her husband so she can collect on his insurance policy. So what is the common motive behind these crimes? And the answer is obvious. It is the desire for sense gratification. So the criminologists, the social scientists, have almost completely overlooked the fact that materialism is the root cause of crime. False identification of the body as the self leads people to believe that sense enjoyment will make them happy and satisfied, and most crimes are directly or indirectly connected with the attempt to find satisfaction and sense enjoyment. So daily, the mass media, television, radio, movies, magazines, newspapers, billboards, whatever, saturates us with the message that the goal of life is sense pleasure and that success in life depends upon the acquisition of those objects that make this sense pleasure possible. So from a very young age, we learn that we should strive to be the controllers and the enjoyers of all we survey. We are promised that such lordship is the way to satisfaction and happiness. The criminal is just trying to follow this message the best way he knows how. He's just trying to be the central enjoying agent, the Lord, and he has been taught he needs to be. So he needs beautiful women. He needs a flashy car. He needs fine clothes. He needs a big house. He needs all kinds of kitchen appliances. He needs a big soft bed. He needs a stereo. He needs a VCR. He needs a big flat screen TV. He needs a gold watch. He needs a yacht. He needs, he needs, he needs, he needs, he needs. And since no amount of sense gratification is ever enough to satisfy us, we always feel the need for more. From the poorest person to the richest person, from the street person to the person who lives in a mansion, everyone wants more sense gratification and more material wealth. 
If you're poor, you feel you need a bigger TV to be happy. If you're rich, you feel you need a new yacht or a more expensive car or a bigger house. Enough is never enough. So we have crooks from all income levels. The poor crooks commit crimes so they can get what they think they need. The rich crooks commit crimes so they can get what they think they need. The street crook robs people so he can buy some nice clothes, a computer, and possessions of that kind. The corporate crook robs companies so he can buy 50,000 acres of land or a new Learjet. So the fact that there are at least as many wealthy criminals as there are poor criminals effectively destroys the materialist theory that the root cause of crime is poverty and the solution to the crime problem is to make everyone rich. Obviously, if poverty were the cause of crime, then no wealthy people would commit crimes. Besides, the term poverty is relative. A poor American, for example, would be a wealthy Ethiopian. So criminals, whether rich or poor, are criminals not because they are poor or rich, but because they are in the illusion that material things, material sense enjoyment will satisfy them. And of course, the reason they're in this illusion is because they erroneously identify their body as themselves. And because our materialistic society considers the acquisition of wealth and power to be the goal of life, the more wealth and power you possess, the more successful you are considered to be. If you're materially poor, you are considered a failure in life. Whereas if you're wealthy and powerful, regardless of how you acquired this wealth and power, you are considered a great success. So obtaining material wealth is not only essential for your direct sense gratification, but also for your feelings of self-worth. In other words, you feel only as valuable as the things that you possess and control. Lacking appreciation of your real value as an eternal, blissful, spark of life, a child of God, falsely identifying the temporary body as yourself, you try to achieve feelings of self-worth by the acquisition and control of material things. To achieve such economic development, you can end up engaging in illegal activity. In other words, you might become a crook. But if you understand that you are not the body, then you will understand that a life of false lordship and sense gratification will not satisfy you. So you will not see the gaining of material wealth and power as the goal of your life, and you won't feel that you need things that, in fact, you don't really need. So you won't be driven to try to get something at any cost including the cost of your life or someone else's life 
or imprisonment. So the most ironic thing about a life of crime is that it's based on a lie, and that lie being the lie of materialism. The reason kids in poor neighborhoods idolize the local hoods is because they think that the hoods are happy. They see that by material standards, the crooks are successful. They got nice clothes, they got jewelry, flashy cars, the respect of others, pretty girls, lots of cash, and on and on and on. But if these kids knew that material wealth and false lordship were not synonymous with happiness, then they wouldn't see the crooks as successful. So it's this big lie, the material concept of success, that causes many young people to follow in the footsteps of the hoods. So children obviously would not be so eager to emulate the hoods if they knew that the crooks were not really happy. So whether you're an educator, a producer of movies or television shows or popular music or just a plain old mother, father, elder brother, elder sister, aunt or uncle, you really help children if you try to teach them that material wealth and power are not synonymous with success. But no matter what you and I do, the big lie continues. The influential materialists are not going to tell the truth. Instead of telling the little kids that the hoods are not happy, even though they're rich, the materialists tells them that one day the hood will get caught and be sent to prison, and then he will suffer. In prison, they say, the cook will be poor and powerless. So in this, word, in this way, they're saying that the criminal is happy as long as he's not in prison. So now the little kids know that criminals are really caught, and those who are caught are out of sight, no longer seen by the little kids. Therefore, the criminals who are seen regularly by those who are not in jail are the ones who are happy. So as far as the kids are concerned, crime pays. So the important sociologists and the criminologists and the psychologists, they sit around doing million-dollar studies searching for the root cause of crime. But they just can't seem to find it, even though it's bringing them right in the face. Materialism is the root cause of the crime problem. But for the materialist to acknowledge that materialism is the root cause of crime would be a self-indictment, like pulling out the rug from under their feet. So materialism is the foundation of their own personal lives. Right? Is, is that, does that make sense? And and it's like, it's their avowed ideology. This entire consumerist success-oriented society is based on materialism. To acknowledge materialism as the cause of crime is to acknowledge that the root cause of crime cannot be destroyed without cutting out the very heart of our modern hedonistic, quote-unquote, civilization.
So unable to accept the bankruptcy of their religion of matter worship, they plead confusion and ignorance and ask for more funds to do further studies. And the fact is that the crime rate will continue to remain high as long as people are ignorant of their true identity and are bombarded with the message that more sense gratification will equal more satisfaction and happiness. And as long as success in life is gauged by the amount of material goods amassed, the crime problem cannot and will not be solved. So the high rate of crime is a radical problem that requires a radical solution. We, the masses of the people, must fundamentally change the way in which we view ourselves, the world, others, and the goal of life. And such a re-education of the masses through the schools and the media would obviously take several decades at least, nor is it likely that the powerful economic forces controlling the mass media would even cooperate in the effort to produce such enlightenment. After all, these forces have a vested interest in keeping us materialistic. Really, these economic forces want us to be in a position where we are always trying to enjoy our senses, but are never completely satisfied. So if we, if we remain in such a wanting condition, we will remain consumer zombies that are easy to manipulate and easy to exploit. We would stop being good markets if we stopped viewing sense gratification and therefore the acquisition of material wealth as the goal of life. In essence, we would be lousy slaves no longer responsive to the promptings of advertisers promising satisfaction to whoever buys their product. So it's unlikely that the powerful propagators of materialism and hedonism will do an about-face just to help reduce the crime rate. So we can expect the crime rate to continue to climb. And this could very well lead to the breakdown of our society. Throughout the United States, the cities for more law and order are getting, the cries for more law and order are getting louder. We're tired of being prisoners in our own apartments. We want to be able to walk the streets without the fear of being raped and mugged or murdered. We want the criminals behind bars, and it's a natural feeling. But external, socially, administered laws, as well as prisons and jail, are meant for those individual members of society who do not have or do not abide by internal laws. If you can't or will not control your own sensual desires and actions, then society has to step in and do it for you. So the desire to enjoy some sense object may pressure you to steal something, but you can say no to that desire. If you're successful at controlling your desires and your actions, then there's no need for society to control your body for you. But if you cannot control 
your desires and you end up stealing, then the officers of an extreme control enter the picture. The need for external control exists when there is no internal control. So the cry for increased law and order is the petition for increased external control. And it has come about because of the alarming increase in the number of people who have no internal control. An example being the increase in the number of hedonists. So the call for a crackdown on criminals has justifiably frightened many civil libertarians. They see it as a move towards totalitarianism and fascism. And they, like most of us, feel that a police state is at least as undesirable as a society teeming with criminals. And they correctly fear that in our attempt to solve one problem, we may end up creating an ever bigger problem. Unfortunately, however, although most civil libertarians are aware of the dangers of America becoming a police state, they cannot help it keep it from happening. That's because they have no solution to the crime problem. So the more society becomes wild jungle, the louder word world the cry for law and order becomes. The demand for order is simply a natural and inevitable reaction to the chaos. There's no way to keep totalitarianism, totalitarianism at bay unless the level of crime is brought under control. So a free democratic society can exist only as long as most of the individuals within that society have at least a fairly good grip on their senses. If we were all completely satisfied internally and we could all control our minds and bodies, there'd be no need whatsoever for laws for external forces of control like police. Of course, such a perfect society is not feasible and practical. But the more internal control more of us have, the less need there is for external control over us. And conversely, the less internal control we have, the more external forces are needed to control us. So our freedom and our democracy depends upon our ability to restrain, control our desires and our actions. So the all-pervasive message of hedonism continually eats away at our ability and, and even our desire to control our senses. The mass media has successfully manipulated us into feeling that anyone who tries to control his senses is a weirdo or an outcast. The homosexual is not strange. The celibate is the weirdo. The promiscuous 17-year-old who has had three abortions fits in, but the 17-year-old virgin does not. We have been taught that free people are those who do whatever they feel like whenever they feel like it. <clears throat> in classic Orwellian doublespeak, 
the media has labeled the enslaved free and has even made these free souls feel pity for those of us who are enslaved by so-called inhibitions, hang-ups, and the outdated belief that we should control our senses instead of being controlled by our senses. And in this way, hedonism erodes the very foundation upon which our democratic society stands on. People think that poor people commit more crimes because they don't have as much as they need, and this is why there's a lot more poor people in the prisons. And all this shows is that poor criminals cannot afford lawyers to keep them out of jail. Furthermore, the kinds of crimes that the poor crooks, crooks engage in are quite different from those carried out by the rich crooks. Every middle and upper class person who cheats on his tax return is stealing as much or more than a burglar. And the IRS estimates that there are literally millions of such tax cheaters. They built the government out of $100 billion a year, yet these people are not caught. There are millions of middle and upper class white collar criminals that are never caught. The emphasis in law enforcement just isn't on such crimes. The poor criminal has to do his thing on the street level where there's a greater chance of confrontation with those who would stop him. Therefore, there's not only a greater chance of getting caught, but also greater potential for violence. And it is the violence that law enforcement agencies tend to focus on. So just because there's more poor criminals in prison doesn't mean that there are more poor criminals. And the thinking that most poor criminals steal out of a genuine physical need is crapola. Do you really believe that the guy who robbed the liquor store takes the money and buys a loaf of bread for his starving mother? Really? That's naivete. These petty thieves spend the money on flashy clothes, cars, jewelry, more than anything else, drugs like cigarettes, alcohol, pot, heroin, and crack. And the studies have shown that most crimes are committed by a relatively small number of thieves, each of whom commits hundreds of crimes a year. I mean, these guys are mugging and robbing primarily for dope money. Otherwise, they'd be rich, right? If a guy commits an average one or two robberies a day and averages, say, 100 bucks a hit, you're looking at between forty and eighty thousand dollars in tax-free dollars a year. So, in other words, the so-called poor criminal who commits most of the street crimes—he's not poor at all, unless you call someone with a forty to eighty thousand dollar yearly income poor. But you might think that it's their addiction to the drug that leads them to commit the crimes. And if their use of drugs is due to being poor and frustrated, then poverty is the root cause of crime. But the reality is that the frustration due to being poor may be an immediate cause of their turning to drugs and to crime. But it's not the root cause. If poverty were the root cause, then people who are not poor to begin with would not be frustrated and would not be turning to drugs. 
but people who have been wealthy their entire lives are also frustrated and also into drugs. So a person may be frustrated because he sees all the advertisements for the goodies, but he doesn't have the money to buy them. So he takes the drugs to forget the frustration. The rich person, on the other hand, has the goodies that are supposed to satisfy him, but they don't. So he's frustrated, and he turns to drugs to forget his misery. And by the way, the rich person may also turn to crime in order to pay for his drug habit, but due to his position in society, his crimes are less noticeable, so he's less likely to be caught. In any case, it's clear that the root cause of crime, at least here in the West, is not the lack of basic necessities of survival, but the lack of wisdom and inner spiritual satisfaction. So, what does that mean by internal spiritual satisfaction? What does that mean when we talk about identity? What? That, that we're not the body. Oh, my God. Okay. You, every, most everybody that's listening to this program has a vehicle, right? And it's probably either parked in front of your car, in a carport, or a driver. Why doesn't that vehicle drive by itself? It doesn't drive by itself because it needs the driver to facilitate the movement of the vehicle. That's a given, okay? Now let's relate that to the body. What is the difference between a living body and a dead body? It's the same thing. The driver. With a living body, the driver is facilitating the movement of the body. In a dead body, the driver of the body is gone. Makes some sense, a little bit, right? Who then is the driver? That driver is also known as the soul. The material body is a temporary fix. You know that once it's born, it's going to die. That's a given. You just don't know when, you don't know where, and you don't know how but you know it's a given. The soul never dies. The soul is eternal. But according to desires, according to the structure and the acquisition of things in life, those desires determine the future body of the soul. You see, the purpose of the soul is to go back home to the spiritual world where he came from. That's basically the purpose. But the soul comes to the material world because the soul sees that the supreme soul, God, is enjoying limitless faith. And the soul says, wow, I wish, I wish I could enjoy like that. Okay, once that thought comes into mind, bam! Welcome to the material world. You might be in the human form, 
That's how it starts. It starts in the human form. But then certain desires creep in. Eating and sleeping and mating and defending. Okay? That's inherent in all of us. But eating and sleeping, mating and defending is inherent in every other creature on the planet. So what separates the the soul in the human form from the soul in the lesser form, the animals, the bugs, the plants, whatever. What's the difference? The difference is below the human form, all those forms are controlled by the forces of nature. They do what they do because nature dictates it. A tiger kills other animals and people. A shark kills other fish and surfers. I mean, it goes on, but they don't suffer karma because they're controlled by nature, and that's part of their makeup. Human form has a choice, and that's the essence of what I just talked about. The human form has a choice. The human form can turn to the desire for sense gratification and the acquisition of more and more and more temporary material things, or he can somehow turn to the desire to rekindle his relationship with his Supreme Father. Now you're on two separate paths. One is simply sense pleasure, and the other is a pleasure derived from developing a relationship with your eternal father and trying some way to serve him. Even if that service to him requires you to have a job and work and make money and have a house and drive a car and support a family, somehow you can render service to him. The easiest and simplest way to do that is before you eat anything, you offer it to your Supreme Father. But there's one catch, and it's not a happy catch for a lot of people. In many of the world's scriptures, the Supreme Father states that he will only accept plant-based foods or milk products. Wow. That means that if you sit down to a steak dinner, you can only offer the peas and carrots or the cheese because he will not accept that steak or that chicken or that fish or whatever. So it gets to the point where now you have to pick and choose what you're going to offer back to your father. Well, that gets frustrating, and in time, you're going to not want to pick and choose. You're just going to want to be able to offer everything to him because why would you be duplistic? In other words, you want to please him, you want to offer some service to him by offering 
some of your food, but the other food which you can't offer to him, you want to offer it to your senses and still engage in sense gratification. It's going to catch up to you and you can't do both. So that's the key. That's very short, very simple. If you're on a plant-based diet and you eat dairy products, you can offer everything that you eat to him. Now, let's say you're a vegan and you don't eat dairy products, like me. What do you do if you still want to offer dairy products to him? Well, let's say you make macaroni and cheese, but you don't want to eat it because you're lactose intolerant. So you make the macaroni and cheese and you offer it to your eternal father and then you put it out on your back porch. Let me tell you, there's enough birds and insects and dogs and cats and whatever that are out there that would give their left arm for macaroni and cheese. So you've accomplished two purposes. Number one, you've offered everything to your Supreme Father. And number two, because he accepts what has been offered, the karma is gone from the killing of what it took to prepare. When you pick a plant off a bush, that kills the plant, right? But you're still eating it. And there's karma involved in the killing of the plant. But, he says with a straight face, if you offer that with love and devotion to your eternal father and he accepts it, the karma is removed. That makes the food, the food purified, which purifies you, the soul. When you take that macaroni and cheese that you offer with love and devotion to your eternal father, you put that outside for the dogs and cats and the birds, they are eating purified food, and that will enable them in the future to take on a human form and possibly be in the position to turn to their father. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Moving on here, he says with a straight face. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into health. I mean, I, I just felt that you know it, it it would be interesting to bring up a subject that not many people know about or even heard about. And if you want to know more. Feel free to contact me. You can email me at heshgoldstein at gmail.com. You can call me at 808-258-1177. You can visit my website, which is healthtalkhawaii.com. You can hear hundreds of radio shows. You can read hundreds of articles. You can go to the product section, and you can find products that will build your immune system and reverse so much disease, it's ridiculous. It's all out there. It's all baby steps, but sooner or later you have to you have to make a turn for the for the better and not for the worse. So moving on here, the truth is out out there 
and it's plain enough for anyone with an open mind to see. The lamestream media and the progressive left are vaccine advocates and will do whatever they can, including lying and forcing their views on others by law to push their pro-vaccine agenda. The latest example of this comes from none other than PBS host Gwen Ifill, who completely fabricated a statistic recently regarding the death toll from last fall's measles outbreak at Disneyland, which was an incident that prompted state lawmakers to usurp parental choice by passing the most restrictive vaccination law in the country. And there is a website out there. If you go to goodgopher, G-O-P-H-E-R.com, goodgopher.com, and put in vaccination lies. (laughs) Oh, my God. So state lawmakers in California imposed one of the nation's strictest vaccination laws. And Gwen, I feel, reported during a recent newscast that the state assembly voted to require that nearly all public school children get their shots or get taken out of public school and be homeschooled. And that bill gained momentum after a measles outbreak that started at Disneyland and killed more than 100 people. That, that was the fact that was purported that was pure fiction. That 100 death figure is off by 100. Why? Because not a single person died as a result of the Disneyland scare. And although Gwen can be forgiven for not knowing any better, given the hype that the mainstream media heaped on the public for weeks on end over a story that didn't have a single casualty, This non-story became the single biggest domestic story in the United States. It led to the passage of the most restrictive vaccine law in the land, a law that some progressive Democrats want to emulate nationwide. And we'll get to that down the road. So anyone who follows politics and political reporting knows that this Gwen Chick is a veteran journalist. She wasn't reading the evening news as some fill-in or by accident. She is the co-anchor of the PBS NewsHour, and she is the managing editor and moderator of Washington Week. And yet, she read those lines as if they were well-established fact, which is an indication that she has been unquestioningly swallowing the media hype over vaccines as much as any incredulous viewer. Worse than script also appears on the PBS NewsHour website, indicates that her staff is as ignorant as she is about the seriousness 
of the Disneyland story. Do you understand? I mean, it's like the, the this most recent measles-related death involved a woman from Washington State who had been vaccinated against the disease. Not only was she already vaccinated against the measles, it was other big farm medications that ultimately killed her. And as the Daily Mail reports, Dr. Jeanette Stern-Green, the Clallium County Health Officer, told KOMO-TV the woman had been vaccinated as a child, but because she had other health problems and was taking medications that interfere with her response to an infection, she was not protected. In other words, the woman's immune system was compromised by pharmaceuticals, and the so-called immunization of a measles vaccine failed to work. But the vaccine-pushing U.S. media twisted the story around, withholding from the public that the fact was that she was already vaccinated and that her immune system was compromised by the FDA-approved medications. So as for making the California law universal around the company, around the country, U.S. Representative Frederica Wilson, the Democrat from Florida, has just introduced legislation, which is House Regulation Bill 2232, that if it's passed and signed into law, would mandate that all states require all students enrolled in public schools to be vaccinated with all vaccines recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Policy, policy, which is a federal entity comprised chiefly of vaccine industry representatives, otherwise known as Big Farm. So her bill calls for children to be vaccinated specifically against HPV, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, and Paul Offit's rotavirus vaccine and annual flu shots and dozens of other. So the push has begun to spread vaccine mandates to every corner of the United States, and the progressive left will do anything it can to ensure what happens. The problem is, and it never ends, we are a country of pimps, hookers, and tricks. Seriously. And I talked about this on my Saturday show, which is also on American Voice Radio. Pimp suckers and tricks involve one thing, making money. The pimps want the money. The hookers get paid from the pimps to push products that the tricks will buy so they, in turn, can benefit while the pimps prosper. I mean, it's not rocket science. You see it every day. You got the pimps of the pharmaceutical industry, the biotech industry like Monsanto, the large food companies, the Cattlemen's Association, all these big dairy industry, all these people that have a product that they want to be consumed and mass. 
But they can't do it alone. That's where the hookers come in. So they get the mainstream media. They get the medical doctors. They get the food stores. They get the government agencies. They get the court system. They get the judges. They get the politicians to get out there and mandate certain things so that we, the tricks, will have this to buy. When you have people that say, no, you've got to stay away from biotech, you've got to stay away from GMO, you've got to stay away from being ill, you have to stay away from pharmaceuticals, people say, well, I don't know how to do that, I don't want to do that. Well, the best way, the easiest way, the simplest way is to be on a plant-based diet that is as more organic as you can believe. You've got toxic chemicals in all the flesh foods that you eat. You have bovine growth hormones. You have GMOs. You have things in there, antibiotics, that they get more antibiotics than human beings get so they don't die off early. This is what you get. You got milk products that have bovine growth hormones in it. You got milk products that is nothing more than liquid fat. You have eggs that create so much stress on your liver and your kidneys that you that you're in you, you're you're obsessed with having to take drugs. But a plant-based diet gives you fiber. A plant people get stints because their articles are so small so they stick a thing in there to make the artery big to let the blood flow why does a person have a narrow artery because of eating the stuff that just clogs the artery you have to take responsibility for you i can only give you this the information i mean hell i'm 76 years old i don't have any illnesses i don't take any meds I'm in two softballs, leaps. I swim a half a mile to a mile a week. I do cardio. I do weight training. I just do whatever I can to keep my body fit. Why can't you do it? You got to start somewhere because the media and the pimps and the hookers don't want you to do this. They just want to get rich off of your sickness. And the quicker you understand that, the quicker you can make a change. So I'm telling you again, check out my website, healthtalkhawaii.com. Think about taking organic sulfur. That will reduce, that will reverse everything. Superfoods like zeal and shakeology do wonders to build the immune system. Bee pollen that melts in your mouth boosts an immune system. I can only tell you what what's available and how to get it and where to get it. You have to take control. I can't do that for you. Anyway, George Harrison is doing his thing and it's my favorite song on the planet. And with that, uh, I'll say aloha and I'll catch you all next week. Aloha.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 4th of August, 2015. It's Tuesday. It's about, oh, nine minutes past noon Pacific. If that's true where you're at, you can participate in this show several different ways. One way, you can get right on the air. That That's right. That's right. 
you too can be a radio personality. Well, at least a caller. And it doesn't even cost you anything. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. Okay, so you can call that. You can get on the air. And yes, you will have to participate in the show if uh, you do that. Another way is you can go to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. There's a chat link. You can go to our chat room. Now, in there, you can participate if you'd like, meaning you can ask questions, uh, make comments. I was just chatting a little bit before the show in there. But you don't have to. You can just chat with the other people in there. You don't have to you know, ask any questions or participate in the show directly. Then there's another way, which, again, another way you don't have to participate in the show, but you can, and this is a more, you know, you go in the chat room, everybody else sees what you type. You call in, everybody on the air hears what you're saying. But if you want to, you know, tell me something that only, you know, you want me and the NSA to see, then use Yahoo Instant Messenger, A-B-R-N Talk is the screen name. You use that, and I'll get the message. And, uh, you know, if it's something just for me, then fine. And if it's something you want on the air, that's fine, too. That's a good way. Uh, well, the chat room and that is a good way to get in touch with me when I'm not on the air also. All right, enough of that. Uh, a little update. We've still got smoke here in the valley. That's southern Oregon. So, uh, you know, if my uh, voice still doesn't sound like it ought to, that's probably why, because uh, actually I feel good. I think uh, I've gotten rid of the uh, flu that I had, and, um, you know, now it's just the environmental issues that I have to deal with, and everybody else around here. It's not just me, so... Uh, actually, misery really doesn't always love company, and it doesn't always make you feel better to know that somebody else is suffering along with you, because I just prefer, you know, we didn't, any of us have to do this, but we do, so here it is. So there you go with the update. You can look online if you want to really know about the fires that are going on out here. Uh, it's, it is online, so you can do that. Now, like I said, it's Tuesday. And um, it's been a little while, but we've got Al from Colorado on for the lightning round. Welcome, Al. Yes, I see. While I was gone for a couple of weeks there, we had a couple more shootings in Chattanooga and in South Carolina. The gun grabbers are having their field day as usual. Chattachucha? What? Oh, yeah. The shootings? The shootings <laughs> in Chattanooga and in the uh, the church in, what was it, South Carolina, I think. Oh, gosh. You know, oh, Al, I don't, even, I don't even pay attention to these shootings anymore. And to tell you the truth, I think that's happening to a lot of people. You know, I, I really do. And you know how it is, right? 
Well, it's unfortunate. People have become blasé to the... It's uh, true. The I mean, thing. hey... Yeah, when's the next one going to happen, you know, Frank, huh? Hey, first dead body you see, you're mortified. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a dead body before. Oh, oh God, oh, this is terrible. What do you, you know? say, Frank? Have you seen one? you seen them all or something like that? Yeah, that it, and it goes that way because after uh, five or six or seven, you, you just kind of you turn into a New Yorker and start just stepping over the yeah, dead bodies yeah, on the step sidewalk. Over the body, you know? yeah. Get out of my way, yeah. you know. That yeah. sort of thing, you know, and and people wonder why, you know, people who who have never been or spent a lot of time in New York City or know, you know, New Yorkers personally, they they don't understand how can these people be so callous? How can they be so, you know? I mean, there's a mugging going on right across the street. Nobody cares. Nobody stops. Nobody does anything, right? Hey, somebody just got hit by a taxi. Hey, yeah, okay, whatever. Oh, and everybody walks. Look at this. CBS News here. Shots fired in Camp Shelby, Mississippi. When's the next one, Frank? Oh, I don't know. But you know what? I, I think, I, I mean, I believe, and I, I okay, look, because I, I know anytime we say all or everybody all the time, we're always wrong because, you know, there's always exceptions. But I got to say, Al, I think over 90% of these things are all BS false flag actors. I really do. Well, I'm just reading something right now. There are uh, people who are uh, debating, uh, what was it, the uh, one with the kids up in Connecticut? Uh, you know what the Sandy name of that Hook. The school? Yeah, Sandy Crook. Uh, people are starting to die now from that. Yeah, well, hey. Somebody is uh, getting sick or having an accident or something over it because they're bringing out the fraud. Well, Imagine our surprise, Frank, huh? Well, yeah, and, you know, look, they just paid... 29 million bucks to the so-called victims of South Car- in South Carolina. Yeah. Why, Al? When's the next one? I don't know, Frank. Maybe they feel guilt or something. I don't know. It's coming or maybe, out, not coming yeah, out of their- Or maybe actors don't work cheap anymore. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, the actors have to get scale now or whatever you call Al, it, right? What, what is it now? Is it like, what, 40, 40 30, 40 people? Every weekend in Chicago gets shot dead? New York, Detroit, Washington Machine, D.C., wherever. Baltimore just had another one, I see. Baltimore had another, I, what, 13 or 14, I think. Are all these people getting like $6 million bucks? I have no idea, Frank. Well, no, they're not. You know, and that's the whole thing. So why are these people in South Carolina, why are their lives oh, worth so much Frank, more? I think I know the reason. Could you say skin color, Frank? Huh, you think? No, you know why? Because most of the people shot dead in Chicago every weekend are all black, too. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's true. I mean, Sorry now, about so, that. <laughs> you see, this is not making a lot of sense. I mean, I'm uh, wondering, none, hey, of the, none of the dots are connecting, Frank. You know, if everybody's going to get a payday because somebody in their family got killed, well, geez, the people in Chicago ought to be having a windfall. Oh, yeah. Toilet town. I mean, they mm-hmm. really ought to be doing quite well. Yeah. I mean, think of all those families, man. I mean, what 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 was it in, in, in supposedly in South Carolina? Nineteen or something? Well, whatever the number was, I don't even remember anymore. They do double that every weekend in Chicago, man. That's uh, like thirty. That's like sixty million bucks a weekend. Well, maybe they're the going to sh- turn it into a what's they call it reality show now, Frank? Chicago shootings, huh? Yeah, that's sixty million bucks a weekend pumped into the Chicago economy. Hey. 
Pretty soon they'll be able to pay their pension uh, deals. They're really bad with their pensions right now. Well, they'll all have to get off of welfare if they keep getting, you know, if they get a payday like that every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Imagine our surprise, Frank. Oh, wait, but they're not doing that. I wonder why, Al. I I wonder why. Is Uh, it because Reverend Obama? Maybe Chicago isn't on the, quote, approved list, Frank. I don't know why, because Reverend Obama's from Chicago, isn't he? Or Reverend Obama or Reverend Sharpton? No, no, no. The, the, hey, yeah, that's South Carolina. No, that was Reverend Wright. I think you got no, no. Reverend Obama from the Reverend Wright. Oh, no. Whatever. No, 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 no. Because in South Carolina at that church, yes. Obama gave the eulogy. And oh, so now he's a reverend now they, because yeah. he gave a eulogy. They all started calling. He automatically him. became a reverend by giving a eulogy. Now, Reverend they Obama. They all started right? calling him in the in the article, Reverend Obama. Oh God! Yeah, I know. Gag us with puke, a spoon, Frank. <laughs> Just want to puke, well, don't you? Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you l- listen to the prostitutes last night? I listened to the whole two hours last night, and boy, oh boy. They all got on Donald's uh, bandwagon with the immigration. Isn't that interesting? Oh, they did, did they? Oh, yes, I watched the whole thing. Oh, Fat Boy Christie and all the rest of them. Oh, so what? Now they're all, oh, yeah, yeah, he's right. Oh, now they're on board with Donald now. Isn't that amazing how they all got on board with the Donald now? Wait a minute. I thought a month ago when he said this, he was the Grand Wizard of the KKK to all these people. What happened? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, they were all, oh, yes, we got to do this, we got to do that, and blah, 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 and whatever. Donald, according to what I was just reading is really beating the snot out of Bush Lips and Walker now. Yeah, like he's got double the nearest, uh, you know, the nearest. Whatever. I think what's going to happen, uh, Frank, and this is still my opinion, and I don't care who's listening, Uncle Sam, and, uh, you know, the guys at, uh, what's the name of that, uh, what, NSA? No such agency? Yeah. Uh, Donald's going to have an accident if he gets uh, nominated or uh, wins. Well, you know, uh, honestly, I think... I don't care if Donald Trump is triple in the polls, he wins every debate, he raises three times more money than anybody, although he doesn't have to. Cause he doesn't he's got, have to raise a nickel. He's, no. got, he's got three times more money than anybody, so you know it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, yeah, but well, you know what? I'll well, be surprised if he gets the nomination. Right. Still. He hasn't gotten the no- that, That's the whole thing, Frank. He's got to get the nomination. Or the, uh, and whether he runs as a, if he runs as a third party, this is the real scary part. We're going to get know. Hillary. Well, you know, Hillary might not even make it through her own primaries, man. Hey, I hope not. I mean, Hillary should be in jail. How how long should Hillary? Oh, she's going to go testify in front of Congress in September too. Hillary, you know that about the Benghazi now. Oh, jeez, that again. They're bringing Benghazi back. I don't know why she isn't in jail for Benghazi. Well, why don't we bring back, you know, where's Eric Holder? How? What, what about Fast Well, he needs Furious? to go to jail, too. Oh, no, he's on a big Wall Street firm now. He's just got hired by some big Wall Street banker. Oh, well, whatever. then I guess he must. Yeah, yeah. You know what, though, Al? He what? didn't just get hired by some string. He went back to where he used to work. Okay. Okay. He got rehired. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Then I this stand corrected, Frank. Well, I'm I mean, sorry. no, you're right, though. It's a big Wall Street bank, and, and gosh, I, 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 the name is, and I should it's know one the of, name. It's one of the, uh, what is, one of the hedge funds or one of those uh, prostitutes. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, not and it's Goldman one of the Sachs. big ones, too. Uh, I might have been Goldman Sachs. I'm not sure. It might be. It might be. But the thing is, and yeah, he did, and he, and he is there, but. 
you know, I was reading and and I read some things and it's like, yeah, this is where he went and this and that and the other thing. And then I read on with more stuff and it turns out, oh, yeah, he not only went there, he worked there before he went to the Justice Department, went uh-huh. to the Justice Department. And guess what, Al? What? His office that he has at that big bank. Yeah. While he was attorney general. Yes. They didn't, like, give his office to somebody else. Oh, they locked it up until he came back. That's right. Or whatever. You know he, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Frank. well, that's right. He got his... He because got, they knew he was coming back, Frank. That's right. Think? He got his old office back. Oh, so basically, that sweet of them? Basically, they just had one of their boys on the inside. That's all. Uh-huh. And you wonder why... Oh, I wonder why all these Wall Street banks are too big to fail, too big to jail. Yeah. Too big oh, to I prosecute. did see one thing. Oh, Frank, there is good news. Unfortunately, it's from the other side of the pond, and I saw this yesterday on the uh, Daily Mail, which is the English paper, and it said one of their boys is going to jail because uh, he rigged the LIBOR late. One. Wow, and he did this One all whole by banker is going to jail in England because he rigged the LIBOR rate, and I think they put him in for something like 14 years or something like that. Yeah, he did that all but by himself. But that's one now. guy, Frank, out of how many? Uh-huh. Yeah, he did that all by himself, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He must have. He had because, no help, right, Frank? Well, he must not have, because, I mean, if he did, they'd all be going well, to jail, too. You know, they maybe out? he called up the studio cat. Maybe the studio cat helped him, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you, Frank. One guy out of all these bankers all over the world has gone to jail and, oh, yeah, we forgot old Bernie. We forgot about, so that makes two now, right? Well, Bernie didn't, Bernie had his own Well, Bernie technically on. was a banker. In a, in a manner of speaking, ba- Bernie was a, a, a sort of a banker, wouldn't you call him that? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, money bundler, in a technical In a technical sense, he was a banker, yes, I would say he was. Well, the bottom line, though, is, you see, Bernie's another story there that, you know, people, when you when you look at the Bernie Madoff thing, you better look at something also called Emily's List, okay? Yeah. Emily's List is where all these Democratic lesbian women get their money from to run for office. Okay. Okay? Like okay. Hillary Clinton, uh, yeah. Elizabeth Warren, all yeah. these... Okay, uh, Diane Feinstein. Yeah, okay, Nassau all of Feinstein, them. Yeah. They mm-hmm. get their money to run from something called Emily's List, which got uh-huh. its money from Bernie Madoff. Oh man, imagine our surprise. Yeah, yeah, and Hillary's going to testify about Benghazi. She's got a lot of splaining to do. If oh, I don't anybody know. Hillary should have. Hillary should have been in jail well over uh, before she uh, 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 even became Secretary of State. She should have been in jail. She should have been in jail before she even met Bill Clinton. Okay, I mean, I'm. What did they you. say? She uh, had a conflict of interest while she was Secretary of State. She and Bill were getting all kinds of money from all of these foreign, uh, foreign countries or foreign businesses. You think there might have been a little conflict of interest there, Frank? You think? Oh yeah, and that's 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 actually the you know that's well that's just as new as Benghazi. I mean, it, it was happening right at the same time. You know, uh-huh. while, while she's running the Secretary of State's office, uh, foreign countries are donating money to the Bill Clinton Foundation. And uh, meanwhile, Hillary's, uh-huh. uh, her stance, 
you know, like, oh, okay, no, that's no on that, right? Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. $20 million just got deposited into the Clinton Foundation. Oh, you know oh, what? Oh, well, we got to pass it through. Now we're going to give you, know you what, some Al? bennies I, now. I've done some more thinking, and now the answer is yes. Yeah. That's what happened, and it's proven. I, I mean, they've got it all oh. in documents and papers, yeah. and yet yeah. she's not going to jail. Yeah, and I guarantee you the, the 30 some odd thousand uh, mails that she didn't uh, give to them, on top of the 58,000 they did give, I guarantee you the boys from the No Such Agency, they've got all her emails, whether she put it on her private server or not. Well, absolutely. And the, and the other thing is, why is Hillary being, at this point, hasn't Congress got it through their head that this woman is a snake? That she know that she knows what she's doing, and she's just going to get up there and whatever they ask her that she don't want to talk about, she's going to say, "Well, um, you know, I don't recall." The only other thing I can think of when Billy was in office, and remember when they were ready to impeach him, and then he was going to go to the Senate, and the Senate was going to vote on you know throwing him in the slammer. She had all that information on the boys in the Senate that she had no business having. And uh, they said, well, I guess we want to keep our jobs and we don't want to go to uh, the crossbar motel. Well, she knows where all the bodies are buried and who gets money from who, because they all get money from the same people. Yeah. You know, and she knows all this. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, fine. You want to take us down? You're coming with us. You're coming with us. You know, and and I think that's why she's getting away with the garbage she's getting away with now. Nothing's changed in the last 20 years since Billy's been gone. Well, Billy ain't gone. He's one of the most uh, revered uh, and respected oh, yeah. politicians yeah, in America. Yeah. Uh, he and Hitler in the last seven years have only made $140 million after leaving and Hitler telling everybody uh, she and Bill were broke when Dead they broke, left. Dead broke, Al. Dead broke. Not to mention they stole half the furnishings of the White House that weren't theirs. Hmm? Sure. You think? Yeah, be nice to be dead broke like that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and now she goes and gets a six or $800 haircut and telling everybody she's one of the people with her $800 or $600 haircut. Yeah. Hey, who doesn't yeah. do that, right, Al? Yeah, like all the women out there get their uh, haircut every week for $800, right? I get Brian? my haircut once a year for $6, Al. I get mine cut for $20 twice or three times a year, Frank, or whatever the number See? is. You, 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 you're like a mogul, man. You're like a rich mogul. Oh, wow, yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Al, let me ask you something. Now, we're talking about Hillary and our dead brokenness and and, and how ridiculous that is. But let me ask you something else. You're familiar with a little company called Apple, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I read in the news, oh, poor Apple is, oh, there they got financial troubles. They could bring the whole NASDAQ down. They got, you know. Oh, that's a bunch of garbage. (laughs) They only have, what, how many hundred billion overseas? Hundred billion, and most of it's overseas because uh, they don't want Sammy to get his hands on it? Well, yeah, and let me ask you something, Al. I, I mean, honestly, this isn't even a joke. If you could make something. Yes. For five bucks. Okay, yeah, cost and sell you, it for a hundred. A hundred? No, 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 no. Two hundred? Three hundred? No, four hundred? Like, no, more like seven hundred, Al. But if uh, you could make something for five hundred dollars, yeah, put a ta- put a price tag on it for seven hundred, and somehow there's tens of millions of morons that want to buy that, it that will get in line and camp out outside 
to give you seven hundred dollars. Oh, wait a minute, Frank! How, how a, exactly? A new phone Al. is coming out, Frank. Hold on a second. But Al, lining... but Al, Al, yeah. At that kind of profit margin, how Dude. can you possibly have money problems? Well, they don't have money problems. It's the people betting on them in the New York casino that are worried about them, Frank. That's that they've got plenty of money. Uncle Sam would like to have the kind of money that Apple has. It's yeah. the people who are gambling on Apple stock that are not happening because it's being manipulated like every other thing on Wall Street. Well, that's right. And uh, you know, on gold and silver, hey, you you know, hey, we're having fire sales on gold and silver. It's the time well, to buy, folks. Uh, Frank, they've been re talk about manipulation, boy, have they really been hammering the yellow and the gray stuff lately, haven't they, Frank? They have. And you know what, Al, it's not anything new. I mean, it's and actually you know, if people want this this actual story from from what most people, when they read economic stuff, would consider a credible source, which I don't really consider a credible source, but hey, people do. Uh -huh. Read Modern Money Mechanics, published oh, by the yes. Chicago Federal, Federal Reserve, Reserve Bank. Yes, yes, yes. The they, boys at the toilet paper They've factory. got a part in there that explains how fractional banking came about. That's and they right. said, hey, there was a time when people walked around with gold coins in their pocket. That's right. Well, you know, people would amass gold coins, and they wanted to put it somewhere safe. You know, they'd travel, and they wouldn't, you know. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there were gold dealers, and they mm -hmm. would say, okay, fine. And what they would do is they would go there and they'd say, put this in your lock safe. And, you know, that's when banks yeah, really and we'll had... we'll give you a paper receipt for it. That's right. And and that all started that, you know, kind of like checking your clothes in at the, at the clothes thing. You know, like they yeah. used to do at restaurants. You know, here's your yeah. ticket and you yeah, come back. The pet and, check or the coach check. Yeah. Right, you come back and you get it. Well, people are smart and they go, well, hmm, I got this piece of paper. And then you find yourself at a store and you go, gosh, I'd really like to get that. But I don't want to have to go run over and get no, my No, I'll give gold. them the piece of toilet paper instead of the yellow. So I asked the guy, hey, look, I've got this receipt from the gold guy over there. See, so I'm good for it. And the guy goes, well, yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, sure, yeah, you're good for it. Tell you what, here, I'll write you, you know, you write me a receipt. I'll write you a receipt, and we'll do business with paper. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't take the gold dealer long to realize Hey, you know what? A very small percentage of these people are actually coming in here. Yeah, want, want their stuff back. Yeah, yeah so now very we're just going to issue receipts all over the place like helicopter bed. That's right. We're just going to. You know what? So what? I got an ounce of gold. I'll I'll write. I'll write. I'll write your receipt for, for it. I'll write your receipts for ten ounces of gold. Yeah, or a hundred, or a thousand, or whatever. And that's what's going on in the gold market right now because this is what they did. They got mm -hmm. people to start accepting these EFTs and these other, you know, paper yeah, gold and garbage. Yeah. That mm -hmm. says, oh, hey, Al, here's your little cute slip of paper. Oh, that means you own an ounce of gold. Well, yeah. no, it doesn't. It means you own a piece of paper to an ounce of gold, yeah, but they don't actually whatever. have it. And they've yeah. just been writing these things up, keeping the price down, because, you know, you can keep the price down if you can just keep printing paper. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to wait for the price to come back up, Frank, because it's break time. All right. Well, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in a bit. Everybody stay right where you're at.
that keep on howling And he's prowling round my home I really don't know what in the world will matter But it's something going on for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. 
If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Mama, rock me nice and calm. Rock me, Mama, rock me nice and kind. Every time you rock me, rock to satisfy my mind. Morning, Mama Lady. In the morning, Baby Lady. When my love comes down, Mama, please, ma'am, hold me tight. Rock me, Mama, rock me with a will. Rock me, mama, rock me with a will. I just want you to rock me like you rocked on Rockin' Hill. Rock me, mama, rock from sun to sun. Rock me, mama, rock from sun to sun. I just want you to ride me like my back ain't got no bone. Rock a while, little baby, if it takes all night. Baby, rock me. 
I just want you to love me a long time before I go. All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still August 4th, 2015. It's Tuesday. It's about 1241 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, you can call in 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. You can also go to the chat room, which is located on our website at the front page there. American Voice Radio or TheAmericanVoice.com. And you'll see the chat link. Just click it. It's easy. If you'd like to message me on Yahoo Instant Messenger, my screen name is AVRN Talk. So there you have it, and we're back. And it is Tuesday, and that means we got Al from Colorado here for the lightning round. Welcome back, Al. Yes, yes. Movie gone, Frank. I don't know. It's still, or it's, it's fading from the news, as most of the news does. The two boys went missing. It's going on two weeks on Friday, and they've called off the search. Oh, good. Well, uh, I think I, I'm not familiar kids, with that. I'm not familiar with this story. There so. were two boys that got in a boat two weeks ago this coming Friday, and they went out, and they were going to go to the Bahamas and fish, and something happened. A storm came up. The boat capsized, and they've been missing since the 24th of July. And they went, left from where? Jupiter, Florida. Oh, 14 years old in a 19-foot boat in the big Atlantic Ocean. Who, who where's the parents? Uh, somebody, somebody needs to ask that question, Frank. Yeah. Who lets their 14-year-old kid, sure, they're, you know, eh, what the heck, how, how, what could happen, huh? I mean, really, Al, you know, they're arresting people, okay, and taking yeah. away their kids for letting them play out in their own yard by themselves. Wait a minute, how about the dummies leaving these kids in the hot car to die? Well, that's just stupid. I mean, people I mean, do that with their pets. I mean, people who have no business being allowed to procreate, Frank, with the garbage that's going on there. Yeah, they leave there. their kids in there. They leave their pets in there. They, you know, I mean, it's like these uh, are people. Frank, I think we've got a nation of dumbbells out here, Frank. I hate to say it. Well, selfish SOBs, too, because, you know, these are the same people, Al, that wouldn't go five feet unless they had air conditioning. Uh-huh. Yet. They, you know, yet they're so self-indulged into their own mind, they get to where they're going, they've got another living whatever, baby or kid or dog or cat or whatever whatever. next to them, and they just shut it off and walk on in and, uh, you know, act like, what's the big deal? Well, what's the big deal? Okay, well, why don't we lock you in the car for a while and see how you like that? To let two 14-year-old boys go out in a, I'm not going to say flimsy, but a 19-foot boat that looked like nothing but a, but a, uh, but a, uh, a rowboat with a, with a motor attached to the back of it. Well, I'll tell you, Al, you know, I mean, look, if you're an adult and you decide to do something like that, well, all right, I can say, well, I think that's pretty stupid, uh, but, you know, you can do what you want. I don't care. Hey, take some heroin with you if you want. I don't care. But, you know, 14 years old, and look, I'm all for kids growing up and, and, you know, doing things. But 
I don't know, sending a couple of 14-year-olds out in a 19-foot boat into the Atlantic Ocean, it just seems irresponsible. I want to know what happened. Let's say that the storm came up. Why didn't the kids stay? With They did find the boat, believe it or not, capsized, which means the boat was floating upside down, okay, 67 miles offshore, 67 miles offshore, Frank. Oh, man, those kids are bait, man. They're, you know, they're gone. Uh, uh, I think they're in some shark's belly, Frank. I don't, I'm not trying to be cruel about it, but I think that they're, as you call it, the No, and that, you know, and that is shark territory, man. That, that Absolutely. You know, that, There's all kinds of sharks out there, for crying out loud. You know, this is not a... That, this is just it's stupid. I mean, it's just And now stupid. they raised over $400,000? For what? For these two... I don't know. I guess to pay for the people, the uh, the non-Coast Guard people, to get in their own boats and go look for them. That's a lot of gas, Frank. And how do they expect? I mean, I, I just don't. I'm I not mean, making this up, Frank. You can just go put I it know. in Google. I, I, I hadn't heard this story, but the thing is, you know, I mean, look, if you found the boat. Yeah. Uh, Why didn't the kids stay with the boat is the big question, or were they able to not stay with the boat? You know, a couple more days of looking around, uh, and you the might. The boat well, is now lost, you and, the, and the the boat is the boat that they were in has been lost. The boat that they found several days ago, okay. They did find the boat, but the big question is, is why didn't the kids stay with the boat, or were they not able to stay with the boat? That's the big well, question. Well, you know, they were probably not able to stay with the boat, but the thing is, okay, so here's the deal. You're floating along, storm comes, you get flipped over, you get thrown out of the boat, boat gets flipped upside down, right? Right. So now you're in the water, boat's in the water, everybody's in the water, okay, everything calms down, or you drown right there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, because mm-hmm. you're you're obviously stupid anyway, so we don't know if you even have life preservers, you know. I think they said they had one life jacket between the two of them. I think they said that, but uh, don't hold me to that. Okay, so somebody is like really, really stupid. This is just... Are you kidding me, Al? Really? Frank, I'm not making any of this up. Look, Al, Frank. if I was going to try to float across the Atlantic in a rowboat, I would at least make sure I had a life preserver for me. Hey, when you, Frank, you don't go from Jupiter, Florida to the, to the Bahamas in a 19-foot boat, Frank. That's nothing more than a rowboat with a motor on it. Well, and even if you want to, I mean, you'd at least say, well, hey, I could imagine. You think you might want to have a raft on board, yeah. Frank, or a beacon or something? Something does happen. You can turn the beacon on and, uh, yeah. and, and yeah, because yeah I, you think. You know, because you got to look at that situation and go, you know, I could imagine bad things happening. So uh, maybe, I don't know, a life preserver, a raft, uh, a beacon. Yeah, that's what I just said. And I think, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not into rules and regulations and stuff. But if people aren't smart enough, to realize that, look, okay, you're going to live somewhere like Florida. I, I like boating, and I get it. And, and you know, I, and I understand the, the ocean's a dangerous place. And, you know, even under the best circumstances, bad things can go really wrong. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, if you got to realize that and at least say, well, okay, look, uh, we're going to have one of these floating little beacon things in our boat 
Just yeah. in case. You know, just in case, Just in case Al. something happens. And if something does happen, we do have a raft so we can get into the raft. Well, and even if we don't, life preservers, I think, are required uh, already for everybody mm-hmm. on the, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, and the thing is, so, okay, so worst thing, you flipped out of the boat. You're floating around. Hopefully you don't get eaten by a shark. Yeah. But, <clears throat> hey, you got this beacon. You know, what the heck? Why not put the beacons in the life preservers? Yeah. I mean, come on, Al. the life jacket. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is not rocket science. This is just this. this te- I, I want to know where the parents are at and why they're not being, uh, you know. Look, I, I, I feel bad for them uh, that, you know, nobody likes losing a kid and stuff. But did you give them permission to do this or did they steal that boat? Because they, they had better had, the, they no, had better they had stole that boat from mom and dad. According to my understanding, uh, mom and dad said, go ahead and do it. Go yeah. out. Yeah, well, mom and dad would be having a lot of answering to do right about now. Uh, if I was I'll tell you right now, Frank, to go with a small boat like that, I'll tell you what, even on a medium-sized yacht in the middle of the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean, Frank, I wouldn't be a happy camper, I don't think. Well, you know, like I say, if you're an adult, you can do what you want. I don't care. Go get eaten by a shark. You know, uh-huh. take care of them with Oh, you, they said you know. the kids were uh, experienced boaters, 14 years old. They had a lot of experience. That's what they told us on the on Fox, on Fox, on faux news. Sure they did. Sure. That's what they're like, telling Like, oh, us. hey, like, that's why, that's why 14-year-olds are allowed to sign contracts and do business, because they got lots oh, of experience Oh, wait a minute. Out. Oh, the parents said they were only allowed to boat in the nearby waters, so they, they didn't listen to mom and dad, then, according to this. Then I stand corrected. Oh, they were supposed to stay in the Jupiter Inlet, whatever that is. I guess it's like a harbor or a yeah, bay. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? Okay, yeah. Well, they were allowed to go. They were allowed to go to you know stay near shore, but not sixty-seven miles offshore. Well, you see, and that's the whole thing. See, now mom and dad are kind of a little off the hook here because it's like, well, look, you live in Florida, you got a boat, fourteen years old. Okay, fine. You know, head out into the harbor, boat around. I did it in, you know, for summers in Maine. We used to go sailing around at at thirteen and fourteen years old out there. You know, but uh, yeah, but you didn't go sixty-seven no. miles out into the ocean either, though. No, did if you, we uh, if we had decided, hey, what do you say we instead of just staying around here, what do you say we sail to Europe? What do you, What do you think? Yeah, why don't we just do that? Let's just head out. Well, you know, if we got ourselves killed then, I I'll guess... I'll tell you what I think happened, based upon what I'm reading now, is they told Mom and Dad they were going to stay close, but they decided they were going to go to the Bahamas. And, uh-oh, whoops, whoops. Yeah. Well, you see, this is why 14-year-olds aren't allowed to sign contracts, because they're stupid, okay? Uh-huh. I remember being 14, and I was stupid, Hey, Matter Frank, of fact, a lot I was of so us stupid. Were eighteen and young, dumb, and stupid. I was Frank, so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I was so stupid. I thought I knew everything. Yeah, all the kids today, even if they're eighteen or nineteen, they think they know the world too. The kids at eighteen and nineteen. Well, I think now, and even in their early twenties, they think they know the world. Yeah, well, uh, what uh, is it? Eighteen's the new twelve. Oh no! Like seventy is the new sixty. Sixty yeah, is the new because, fifty. Fifty uh, is the new forty. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It doesn't seem uh, as though children are uh, maturing. You ever at hear the that expression, they Frank? There are old pilots and bold pilots, but there are no old bold pilots. Yeah, I have. You ever hear that one? Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. You know what I'm trying to say? 
Well, I'm sorry for the parents of the kids, but if the kids, the, the kids probably, it seems to me the kids did something they weren't supposed to do. They wanted to go to the Bahamas. Yeah, that, well, you know. Hey, Mom and Dad, we're just going to stay in the inlet. And they said, oh, now that we're, now Mom and Dad aren't here, let's go to the Bahamas. Well, and hey, you know what? That's a possibility, too. I'm pretty sure based oh, on that's what probably what, you know, that's probably what happened. But, you know, and, and then again, you know, on that note, you kind of got to say, geez, now I kind of feel sorry for the parents because, you know, how many times when you were 14, Al, did you tell mom and dad, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And then uh, you get out of sight of mom and dad and decide, uh-huh. I got bigger, better plans. Yeah. yeah. How many times, Al? I'm not going to talk about it. Now, I don't want you to incriminate. I don't want you to incriminate yourself or anything. But no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I did something stupid back at that age too, and yeah. I uh, ended up in the hospital. Very to get some stitches for it. But here we are alive. Seeing these kids aren't, and that's what happened. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. happens, man. You. It's dangerous Let's world. put it this way. If for some reason, Frank, in the next week or two, if with no food, okay, and no water, because the Atlantic, as everybody knows, is salt water, and you can't drink salt water very long, can you, Frank? Nope. But you can if float. If these kids do turn up alive, it will be the miracle of the 21st century. I'll tell you that right now. It really will. I mean, it really will, and I hope they do. You know, I mean, uh, 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 14 is kind of harsh age to have to pay for your mistakes with your life. Yeah. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. you can make a lot of mistakes at 14. and you know, it's- I'll tell you, the only other thing, and I don't think people even think of this, is the kids just uh, got in the boat, set the motor, and said, ah, let's let them go look for a boat that's overturned. But I don't think that. I think that's very unlikely. But it's a very, very remote possibility. Sure. Now, I'll tell you what, they, somebody's going to be in real trouble if they do turn up on dry land, alive. Why? I think everybody would be pretty happy. No, I think everybody would say, what did you do to pulling the, this, this, this ain't a funny stunt. Oh, if this is a stunt? Uh, no, That's no. what I'm talking about, oh. Frank. No. Oh, no, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> if, if that <laughs> boat was found 67 nautical miles off of Florida, Frank, uh, I doubt it very much. Yeah, if this is a stunt, somebody's in big trouble. If this trouble. is a stunt, Frank, somebody's in real trouble. Yep, that's true. Hey, here's some good news, Al. How about that for a change? Yeah, let's hear some good news. A Texas farmer wins a 30-year battle with the BLM and gets his land back. Only took them 30 years, though, and how many, how many dollars? Well, they don't say how many dollars, but... Uh, you know, it's a, thirty years. Yeah, wow! I, 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 I'm gonna have to because of my own interest in this. Look this up, the details of it, because of course the, uh, you know, the article is, is like any article; it only goes so far. But this uh-huh. land was in his uh, family since 1904, and mm-hmm. the BLM in 80 something just decided we're taking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ninety thousand acres. We're taking it because ninety thousand acres. Yeah. That's a nice chunk of dirt. We've decided that you know, we 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 we're taking it. You know, oh okay. Well, so he fights for thirty years, and uh, ends up getting a land patent. Ooh, that's even more interesting. Right, right. And uh, one thing they say in here that the land patent law. 
There's that a, means he can't be taxed on it, Frank. There's I'm a pretty... statutory requirement that you pay $1.25 per acre. So that's about a hundred and something grand, then, isn't it? Well, yeah. So that that that's you know he had to at least come up with that. But geez, it's you about got a hundred and thirty something grand, roughly. In round you know, numbers, if you're fighting like for ninety thousand acres, uh, you got you got a lot of land, probably. So you got money. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, so you know that's uh, good news. After uh, you know, absolutely. Took, well, took you know, we had that terrible, what well, I say, wonderful in quotation marks, kilo decision where Uncle Sam can just come in and take it. Yeah. Throw the whole Fifth Amendment out the window. Well, Frank, number two is the only thing that's really left. A number two is about the only thing left keeping Sammy at bay. Well, sure. I mean, you know, and that's the whole thing, man. You know, everybody's got to pick their own line. You know, whether, you know, if you're a parent out there, maybe your line is your kids. You know, if they come mm-hmm. and try to take your kids, maybe that's the time to start saying, yeah, maybe it's oh, time. No, maybe don't. it's boomer time. I, I feel, Frank, that boomer time is long overdue. Frank, anybody who thinks that elections are going to solve anything after listening to last night is a joke. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, which which, which crook are you going to put in this uh, this uh, uh, season, Frank? Well, or yeah, this but session? The, you know, the point is, everybody. See, and this is one of the things that is holding things up that way is that everybody's got their own line in the sand, you mm-hmm. know. And the thing is, you know, okay, some people look. You come try to take my kids, I'll kill you. And That's other right. people, you tell me that my kid has to have a shot. I'm not going to let my kid and, have and a shot. I don't pe- care what your laws are. And other people let them take their kids. And then other people say, okay, my line in the sand is my property line. You cross mm-hmm. over that, and you're a dead man unless you're invited right. here. You know, That's everybody's right. got their own line where it is. And then other people are like, hey, you you fired me from my job. That's my line. Now I'm coming down here and that's it's going to be the end of you all, you know? I mean, everybody's got their own lines. So, we'll see, you know. I mean, they keep pushing everybody and pushing everybody and we'll see how that ends up. I expect in California there's going to be a lot more violence because of this uh mandatory vaccination vaccination Yeah, because well, see, I'll tell you, you know it's what? It'll be real interesting to see what happens there. You brain damage my baby and and because you say I have to uh, you know, eventually they're going to do that to the wrong people, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then then there's. I want to we'll see, see these uh, these pharmaceutical companies start getting sued. The shooter in Chattanooga, the Muslim yeah. in Chattanooga, was on drugs, yeah. on his psychotropic. So why don't those families need to start sh- uh, suing uh, every one of these pharmaceutical? See, and now, and here's what I mean about Hillary might not even make it to the. She might not. I even, hope not. She not might not even make it. You know what her big strategy is now. She What's just spent two million bucks on television ads about you know what all about her oh, mom. Oh yeah, she's one of us. Her mom, her mom is in there now, right? What's her mom got to do with anything? Two million bucks on ads about her mom. Her mom's not running for anything. And what? Her mom is dead. So we're supposed to think, well, gee, I mean, how stupid are people to think? Well, well, golly, Hillary must be just like us. Cause look, she yeah, because we got moms too, right? She right? even had a mom. Al? Yeah, you had a mom too, didn't you, wow. Frank? That makes Hillary just like me. Yeah, I had a mom too. You have a mom too. You had a mom and a dad too, didn't you, How Frank? How stupid, huh? Al? Come on, you know, really. Uh, I mean, really, and that's what she's doing. She's doing the ads about her mom to try to show I'm just like you. I had a mom. We <laughs> all had. Most of us had moms. Yeah, and yeah, we're out of time, Frank. We are, Al. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye bye. Right. Folks, I'll be back again tonight. 
Coming up next is Financial Survival. Stay where you're at. Thanks for listening. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Tuesday, August 4th, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. Well, gold today was up uh, currently 180 in the New York uh, aftermarket spot price. 1,088.90. We had a high of 1,095 couldn't hold it. We had a reversal in the U.S. dollar, as temporary as that might be. You have silver up nine cents today at fourteen sixty-eight. You have, let's see here, platinum down six at nine hundred and fifty-eight. You have palladium up two at six hundred and three dollars. The USDX today is up. Point four four at ninety seven ninety two, so it did have a big reversal today. Crude oil, crude oil is up a little bit, point six five forty five eighty two, 
and the paper markets today. A little bit of pressure, down 47 points, 17,550. The NASDAQ was down 9 at 5105, along with the S&P down 4 at 2,093. 10-year yields, 2.21%. The euro is down big today, 0.62 at 109. European markets basically flat overnight. Um, Germany was up just a tad. Um, and that's it for the market report for August 4th, 2015. Okay with me, Molly. So. So what's next? Well, not of. Uh, we were busy today. We did a lot of uh, shipping out today. Uh, Silver Eagles are beginning to to flow. There's only a one week delay now on Silver Eagles. So uh, once they started uh, being produced by the U.S. Mint, Mint and being shipped out. Uh, just took a little bit of time until suppliers and ourselves uh, were able to get caught up on our shipping to get everybody out. So, um, um, so I, I believe there has been pretty much massive shipping today of Silver Eagles. They've just now been uh, coming through. So, uh, but they are available. Premiums a little high. Premiums on 90% silver is, is still over Silver Eagles. So. Uh, your best buy right now are the Silver Eagles. And, of course, we have some Canadian Maple Leafs are also a good buy. Uh, Morgan Silver Dollars, their premiums skyrocketed even with this pressure on uh, silver of, uh, you know, middle of uh, from the 1st of July to uh, the end of July for the month of July. We have uh, Morgan Silver Dollars pre-19... Uh, pre-1921, they're running at... Uh, a little over $27. So, uh, uh, big, uh, and again, we're looking at coins of rare and unusual value. We're looking at coins. Supply and demand makes a difference in the price. And we had the same thing that uh, for the gold coins, for the older coins, uh, for the pre-33 coins. And we're still carrying the special for the $20 Liberty Gold Piece AU condition, beautiful coins, uh, with a free silver coin, Silver Eagle, for $1,300. So there, Al. 800 375 4188. That's 1 800 375 4188. Got an interesting article here that doesn't have anything to do with the world of finance or even politics. It's just meteor- meteorology, weather. And this is from Arutz Shiva, which is, a, which is Channel 7 in Israel, TV station. And the headline is Apocalyptic Iran Heat Wave Nearly Breaks World Record. Iranians experiencing some of the hottest temperatures ever endured by humankind as heat index reaches 164 degrees. Now, we're talking about the heat index. We're not talking about the actual temperature, right? Heat index combines air temperature and humidity. But nevertheless, you know, you'll see the heat index, the cold index. Says it's a, it, here in the United States, we're used to the concept. If the humidity is relatively high at the same time the temperature is high, it's going to feel hotter than it really is. How, how hot does it really feel? But they say on the same weekend in which it's threatened to annihilate Israel following the nuclear deal it struck with global powers, global powers... <laughs> They mean mainly the United States. 
Iran experienced a mind-boggling 163 degrees heat index reading last Friday in what some see as a warning that the Almighty himself, uh, by the Almighty himself, that all options are on the table. Well, they go on and explain it to some degree. Temperatures actually hit 109 degrees on Thursday. Dew point was 90 degrees. Uh, it got hotter on Friday, 115 degrees, uh, dew point 89.6 degrees, yielding an inhuman 164 degrees on the heat index. Um, pretty amazing. That Baghdad hit four consecutive days of over 120 degrees temperature. And it's been over 100 degrees every day since uh, all the way back to May 30th. So they've had two months of it being over 100 degrees. And I've seen it down here in Texas where we had probably three months where virtually every day it's been five or ten years now. But every day was over 100 degrees, but pushing up over 120 and having a heat index of 164 degrees. I lived in Arizona for many years, and certainly 120 degrees, 115 for any extended period of time in the summertime really isn't rare. But um, I guess it is if you. But it's not the heat; it's the humidity, and how much humidity. Oh, yeah. Dry heat. And, mm. yeah, I know. Well, when, hot is hot. Iran, Iran is, Iran is enjoying uh, high humidity as well as high heat. And I just sit back and think, oh, my gosh, you know, that is a lot of heat to deal with. They've caught, they've had a four-day holiday, so people can take shelter at home and stay out of the sizzling sun. Um, nobody's working for four days or virtually no one's working for four days. Uh, it's just interesting to me. That's a lot of heat. So, so. got another one here from New York Times. Trans-Pacific Partnership session ends with heels dug in. Final negotiations, what they outline in this article is that they're trying to get 11 or 12 nations to work together and to agree to open up their trade with other nations. And as it turns out, in the midst of what may be a global depression, Nations are not particularly eager to open up to competition from outside countries, from foreign countries. If everything was going hot and the we you know the Baltic dry index was running high and we had lots of trade and lots of it may be that people would have been more interested or more willing to agree to the Trans Pacific Partnership. But in these circumstances, they're trying to hold on some of them are just setting their heels and they're just saying, look, we're not giving up a nickel. And it says here, final negotiations over the trade deal, Trans-Pacific Partnership, are not like checkers games with Congress pitting two branches of government and two parties against each other. Rather, all 12 nations are asserting their particular economic and political interests in a multiple-dimension chess match with one problem often setting off another. And I can see... This, this really is a difficult thing. In this international environment, trying to get a dozen nations to agree 
to a particular, not a particular, a broad set of rules to govern trade among the 12 nations. That's not easily done. Um, it says to get one set of rules across 40% of the world gross domestic product, 33% of world trade, 12 desperate countries, uh, disparate, not desperate, um, from Brunei all the way through the United States was never going to be easy. Nevertheless, it's still central to President Obama's policy in Asia and Asia Pacific. It is the centerpiece of his economic legacy. <laughs> I don't know. Obama has an economic legacy, Melody. He's done so much good for the country that he will have a legacy. Well, he's certainly um, looking to acquire one. With the- yeah, I mean, but he's going to have a legacy, all right. Going to be right up there with Jimmy Carter, and he's already uh-huh. got. I think he's already. I think he's already exceeded Jimmy Carter. I in, think so. He's exceeded everyone. Yeah, no. The biggest problem may be intractable differences over interle- internet intellectual property protections, especially for pharmaceutical companies developing the next generation of medicines known as biologics. A copy of the still incomplete intellectual property chapter viewed by the New York Times shows just how isolated the United United States position is. In one section, the United States and Japan want language saying a lack of enforcement resources is no excuse for failure to ensure compliance. Now, that position is opposed by New Zealand, Vietnam, Mexico, Peru, Australia, Malaysia, and Brunei. The United States wants strict enforcement of pharmaceutical uh, entities' abilities to be the exclusive source of some of the drugs they're selling. And these other countries are saying (laughs) they want to be able to copy those drugs. Um, much of the intellectual property dispute revolves around the protection of major pharmaceutical companies, said that, uh, which want the United States 12 years of data protection on new drugs expanded to other the other 11 uh, trans-Pacific partnership companies. Oh, the Republicans in Congress, especially Senator Orange Hatch of Utah, uh, their, their key ally of the president on trade demand that the White House hold firm. Most of the other countries and most international health groups oppose that position strenuously. They say it would keep drug prices high, which is true. Drain government coffers. Well, it's true if governments are buying the drugs and put new biologic medicines out of reach of the developing world. And so, according to this article, that's the toughest nut to crack in order to reach an agreement. Do you think they're going to get an agreement, Melody, for the Trans-Pacific Partnership? They're going to get something. Something's going to go through. It's, they've been working on it for too long, and it's still too secret to really know, you know, what are the real details, and, and, you, wonder one, and you want to wonder why, you know, this amount of information, you know, was released. You know, so it's it's just... You know, well, you have the never-ending story. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with that that movie or not. It's got some big old giant dog, and it's a fantasy film, and 
more or less for kids, I guess. I haven't seen it. I've just seen commercials. But the never-ending story, and this is one of them, this Trans-Pacific Partnership session ends with heels dug in. Um, Canada is holding the ground. It's not giving up an inch on its dairy products. They want Canada to give up on dairy products. Canada's, "Mm -mm, we're not going along with that. So trying to align all of these interests at the same time, very, very difficult. And we can only guess what is going to have to be given up, perhaps by the United States, in order to persuade everybody to sign up to join this group. Well, perhaps if there was some sort of an economic crack in the world's finances, maybe they would all come a-running and change their minds very quickly and say, well, you know what, maybe we better go through with this deal because our future is not looking very well and we need the U.S. because... Yeah, maybe they do and so maybe they don't. Maybe they need to, uh, you know, show and and if we have some sort of revision to our economies here this fall, um, maybe that'll be enough to persuade some of these countries to go along with. And it's like, well, what kind of clout does, uh, you know, these smaller countries have? I mean, it's not like I'm debating for the, the passage of this, but to me it, it, it's what kind of clout does Peru and Vietnam and Malaysia, yeah, they, they build, make a lot of clothes and so forth. Those are big trade. I mean, hey, look at your clothing tags the next time you buy something new. And um, But compared to, you know, if you add the United States and Japan together, you know. They well, this, they is being, this is an attempt to set up a trading block that is perhaps preliminary to something like NATO, in my opinion. All right, the idea behind this is they're trying to pre- create some sort of a line of defense against China. I'm not just going to say that's the only idea, but I believe that's a significant motivation for this whole idea. We're going to get our gang of 12 nations together, and we're going to have them economically involved. And later we may be able to move into where they're more politically involved, or at least acting in concert when it comes to defending against China's economic growth. Is that going to, you know, trying to get everybody aligned up with that? China's economic growth and the threat that some of the Asian countries are going to feel because of China, they don't trust China. And I don't know whether that distrust is rational or not rational, but you can bet that they're wary. Got this enormous population, with its, which is now second world, world's second largest economy. Um, you know, they are potentially scary to these other countries. So, But the thing I'm looking at and what I'm considering is it said that this is the cornerstone of... President Obama's economic legacy. And in order to establish his legacy, we have to wonder how much is he willing to give up to make this deal work? I mean, how many states do we have to surrender to foreign countries as a condition of making this deal work so Obama gets his legacy? And I'm exaggerating, of course, but I'm wondering... 
who's prepared to give up the most here and are they prepared to make trans-pacific partnership happen in the sense that it's an economic entity that might be good for everybody or are they interested in making it happen because it'll be good for Obama's legacy we aren't going to know for a while but we'll watch and see let's take a break for some commercial announcements Melody and I will be back on financial survival just a moment please stay tuned heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Sederstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless.
Hello, folks. I'm Alfred Adisker with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? This will get your blood boiling. Got mine going, mm-hmm. so I know it'll get your going. Huntington Park, California. Yeah. A points undocumented. You might have seen the article. Immigrants to city commissions. They're making history. Councilman Johnny Panita announced yesterday or last night the city council meeting the appointment of two undocumented immigrants as commissioners. Some critics say Panita, who joined the council in March, specifically picked Medina and Sateran because they worked on his campaign. Others says they don't believe undocumented immigrants should serve the government in any in any way. Undocumented immigrants are criminals. Yes. All right. This is like finding someone in your bedroom who doesn't live in your house. All right. This is a criminal, and they're saying, "Well, we're going to appoint these people to sit on the city council." I'm going to tell you again. I've said this before. It's like with the the sanctuary cities. You want to give sanctuaries to illegal aliens? Fine. Give it to them. But if anyone is hurt, injured, robbed, whatever, by an illegal alien, those of you who provide the sanctuary are the ones who are going to have to pay the bill. Sue them. Hold them liable. Hold them accountable. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is amazing. He says, we need to make sure we bring everyone together to the table here in Huntington Park so we can make sure we're sharing the same vision. The mayor threw her support behind the appointments. Now get this, the appointments won't be official until processed by the council and they pass a life scan background check. Really? They have to pass a life scan background check? It isn't to the fact that they're illegal? Yeah, I know. Hey, I mean, really? Unbelievable. I understand, and it's just another evidence of the kinds of, well, you know, if people stand together, it loses its cohesiveness. And this is is part of the result of not just allowing illegal aliens to flow into this country, but it's also a result of things like, let's set up, Government that responds for English, style one, for Spanish, style two. The people that immigrate into this country should be effectively compelled to speak English. I don't mean that you can put a gun to their head, but just look. We're not going to bend over backwards to accommodate. You want to come here? You learn to speak our language. We don't learn to speak yours. We can if we want to, but it's a voluntary deal. If you're going to come here, learn to speak English. If you want to be assimilated into the culture, learn to speak English. If you want to maintain your own language and just move a little Mexico from down there in Tijuana and moving on up into wherever in California, Arizona, Chicago, whatever, that's not going to work. We don't want that. We don't need it, and it's dangerous to tolerate it. This goes to this whole idea of multiculturalism. You know, we've talked about it before, but we are taught that we have to learn to respect everyone's culture and we may we need to treat their cultures equally that's crazy 
Some of these people, their culture, again, cannot produce much more than a wooden wheel for their ox carts and will generate a life expectancy of 45 or 50 years on their own. Do you want to respect that culture? Teach your children, oh, respect this culture. Of course, you might only live to be 45, but respect this culture. Or should you respect the culture that will let you live to be 70, 75, 80, whatever? You know, these cultures are not all created equally, and it's not just a matter of dancing around, and some people dance around in this colorful outfit, some people dance around in this colorful outfit. There's far more to culture and the system of values than the color of the costumes you wear when you do your folk, your, your folk dances. Um, and you have to recognize it. And it's not racism, it's not... You got to, why are people coming here? People want to come here and retain their culture. They are being self-destructive. The reason they're coming here is because their culture doesn't work. And they think they have, they have this stupid idea that they can come up here and maintain their culture and still have whatever it is that this country was once able to produce. And it's, it's not true if you're going to bring your culture with you you're going to bring a systems of system of values that's going to keep you at the same economic level the same level of violence education you bring it right along with you it's like a disease if you're coming to this country you should welcome the idea of abandoning the culture that you've grown up in you should welcome the idea that look we can get hold of culture where we can actually prosper <clears throat> and instead we have people that are trying to maintain their culture and at least in some instances and our government cooperates with them oh yeah let's respect their culture no let's not let's call a spade a spade let's say look your culture stinks it sucks if it's fine if you don't mind dying at age 45 it's fine if you don't mind living in poverty all your life all right and spending your afternoon sleeping in a hammock all right, if that's what you want to do, do it. Don't come up here and say, I want to maintain my culture, but I also want a nice house. I want a nice car. I want to have all things that the, that, that the United States was at least once able to provide. I want all that, but I want to do it with my culture. It isn't going to happen. If you could do it with your culture, you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have, to have left your home country in the first place. What's amazing you now? Respect. You know, when we talk about learning to respect other people's cultures, first thing you need to do is learn to respect your own and understand that I, my life depends on my culture, just as yours does and everyone else in this audience. Your lives, your prosperity, your future, your children's lives, your children's future prosperity, it depends on your culture. And if you're prepared to sacrifice that culture so you don't hurt the feelings of somebody else who's riding around in an ox cart, you're stupid. You've got to do what you can to preserve that system of values that makes it possible for people to enjoy long life and prosperity. And insofar as we abandon that culture, and we do it, not just, not just because there are foreign forces coming into this country. We do it because we have people in Congress and the Senate and the White House. And they're trying to teach us new values. 
and the idea, let's move our jobs over to foreign countries. We won't need the jobs of the industries anymore. Let's let illegal aliens pour into the country. It won't matter. It'll be great for the economy. And we sit there like a bunch of dumbbells and say, well, if you say so. The government says so. You folks need to begin to understand your own culture. It's been polluted, perverted, diminished, and we're in jeopardy. I mean, we're in a lot of trouble. And it's because of these cultural losses. It's not because simply because we lost the jobs. That's, that's a reflection of a change in culture where people don't respect the American, the United States of America. They don't think we've got something unique, something valuable. And they've been willing to sacrifice it. And the result is we're getting closer to poverty all the time. Standard of living is not going up. Wages aren't rising. Jobs are disappearing. Illegal aliens are pouring in. Why? Because as a nation, we don't have enough respect for our own culture. If we had any respect for our own culture, wouldn't we protect our borders? I mean, we've got enough. We can go and deal with ISIS. We can fight with them. They're invading foreign, they're invading foreign countries, and they're doing it with guns and arms and whatever and violence. We can fight with them. But we have illegal aliens pouring into this country, and they don't even need any guns. And we just sit there and say, oh, golly, what can we do? What we can do is begin to generate a measure of self-respect. And that means you have to learn to respect your own culture. You need to learn to protect it unless you see clear examples where the culture is wrong. All right, then you make, you make adjustments to your system of values, yada, yada. But as long as we won't respect our own culture, hey, we're going to lose it. And when we do, what's going to replace it? You folks are going to be living like Mexicans before this is all over. And when it happens and your children say, how did it happen, Mommy? How did it happen, Grandpa? You can just tell them, well, we were watching TV and we believed in multiculturalism. You know, we thought it was important to respect other people's cultures. So we didn't bother respecting our own. And now you kids are going to live in poverty. You're going to be peons. <laughs> so... You want to save this country, start fighting for its culture. Start to recognize what the culture is. Start to celebrate it. Start to enforce it. Make it clear to your congressmen and your senators, we want to retain our culture. And we're not going to give it up in order to accommodate people from some other country. If they want to come here, make them learn, let them, make them learn English. If they have to learn English, you know, they're not going to be able to set up little colonies within the United States to represent their home country. Make them speak English. They will be more likely to be assimilated. It's not a guaranteed deal, but it's more likely to happen than if you don't. So, what's next, Melody? What always amazes me, I mean, it's it's not just watching the TVs, that's part of it, but it's that's the conditioning from TVs. You know, they make people feel that if you speak out, if you mm-hmm. if you say you want to respect, oh, no, all of a sudden you're you're tagged with all these names and so forth, and and uh, people have been conditioned to be silent. Yeah, they're afraid to stand up and speak out, people and the one we won't. Oh my God, don't say anything, or you'll be called a racist. You be racist. You be racist. It just you know, my anything to do with it. 
What? Well, I know, but it does. It becomes it becomes That's a the, label. It's like sticks yes. can break my bones, but names can never hurt me, except for the name racist. That could hurt me. You, tell, you criticize another nation's culture. You criticize another group of people. Oh, that's racist. Look, is it right or is it wrong? Is it true or is it false? You know what racism is? Racism is a lie. Every single time, racism is a lie. For example, if I said all whites are smart, that's a lie. That's racism. There's a lot of dummies running around that are white. If I said all blacks are dumb... That's a lie. There are plenty of blacks that are running around that are intelligent. Whenever you get into where you say all people of a particular group fit a particular profile, when you say all, you are speaking racially. That's racism. But if you sit back and say there's a percentage of a particular group that are doing this, that, or the other that's completely self-destructive or stupid, you can't easily say that in this country without being charged with being a racist, because if you criticize any member of a particular group, all of a sudden it becomes reason to say, oh my God, the guy is racist. He's criticizing other people's cultures, blah, blah, blah. You know, there are certain cultures in this, in this society, subcultures, that really are just fabulously self-destructive. And nobody wants to talk about that. One good example are homosexuals. What's their life expectancy? You know, this is promoted. We have a society that's, oh, it's just a lifestyle choice. No, it's not. It's a death style choice. Government passed special rules that actuaries, insurance company actuaries, couldn't track homosexuals, the 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 idea of being homosexual in relationship to diseases and death. And that came out of the 80s during the AIDS epidemic. But well, I'm sure things, have, things might have changed. That the hom- eh, it's changed some. I'm sure it's changed. I will guarantee you that the homosexual lifestyle will lead you to an earlier death than the heterosexual lifestyle. And we're preaching this to children and saying, oh, this is okay. You can be homosexual if you want you know what's well, interesting you now. Want to die five or two, if you want to give up five or ten years of your life, go ahead. Somebody, if they were responsible, should be teaching these children. That's a dumb idea. Stay away if you're smart. If you want to live, that's a dumb idea. But if you talk about it, all oh, my gosh, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're something else. Yeah, I guess I am homophobic. I don't want to die. Understand? I understand that homosexuality is a disease vector. I'm homophobic in the same sense that I am typhoid phobic. And I don't want typhoid Mary sleeping in the same room where I am. That's right. I don't want typhoid, so I'm going to stay away from typhoid Mary. Lock her up. Get her out of the population. She doesn't have a right to make everyone else sick. Homosexuals are one example of a kind of subculture that exists, and it's being celebrated as if it's something to brag about. Illegal aliens are another one. They're pointing, appointing them to some city council or whatever out in California. This is madness. 
this is really a kind of suicide, and it's evidence that we just have no appreciation for what it means to be an American. We have no appreciation for what our culture has at least done in the past. It's been so twisted and polluted lately that I'm not sure how much still stands, but it can be regained. Just got to do some reading and say, look, here's some values. These are values that we can emulate. We can grab onto these. We can hold on tight, and we can leave this country in better shape for our kids than it's been for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Take another break. Be right back. Please stay tuned. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? Did you have something you wanted to add? Nope, nope. We're moving on. All right. Here's one from Reuters. Former CEO of collapsed Mt. Gox Bitcoin exchange arrested in Japan. All right. Mark Karpels, the former head of the defunct Bitcoin exchange Mt. Gox, 
was arrested on Saturday in connection with the disappearance of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of the virtual currency. Okay? The French-born Carpels, 30 years old, is suspected of falsifying data on the outstanding balance of the exchange, at one point the world's largest hub for trading the digital currency. Police were unable to immediately confirm these reports. Um, when it filed for bankruptcy in February of 2014, Mt. Gox said 750,000 customer bitcoins and another 100,000 belonging to the exchange were stolen due to a software security flaw. See, the hackers stole the bitcoins. That was the story. They lost funds represented uh, the lost funds represented the equivalent of $480 million at the time of the bankruptcy filing. Montgox also said more than $27 million was now missing from its Japanese bank accounts. Carpels, who had blamed hackers for the loss, later said he'd recovered 200,000 lost bitcoins. How do you recover 200,000 lost bitcoins? All right, they say they lost 850,000 altogether, but he got 200,000 back. How do you do that? I mean, if the hackers broke into your computer and they stole your Bitcoins, how? what do you do to get those Bitcoins back? The whole thing is just nonsense. And the implication is that this guy, Carples, he stole the coins. Right? He's the one. Now, and the reason I bring this article to people's attention is... When Bitcoin started out, it was perceived to be safe. It was brilliant. We had, we had computer programs that kept track of each coin, who had owned it, who, was, who it was sold to, and so on. There was a pedigree on each coin, and it couldn't be defeated because it was brilliant and blah, blah, blah. Nobody could manipulate the currency except those running the computer. And unfortunately, it was impossible to resist the temptation of manipulating digital currency. This guy Carpels, that's what's happened here. It's a virtual certainty. It's not an absolute. They don't say so in the article. But the lesson in all of this is that if you want to save your wealth in the form of a currency that can't be manipulated and made to disappear... You need to look for something non-digital, like gold and silver. It is improbable that any mortal man can long resist the temptation. Put him in a position where he's able to deal with a digital monetary system, all right, digital currency. How long before the guy says, well, look what's going to hurt if I, if I just skim off $10,000 worth of digital currency. I've got hundreds of millions of it here. Who's going to notice? And it's all digital anyway. We can just spin it out of thin air. I mean, where's the harm if I take it? You know, because I make such incredible contributions. It's only fair that I take 10 grand for me. And then he's going to sit back and say, well, you know, now that I think about it, I guess I could take 20 grand. And the next time he's taking 50 grand. And before you know it, he's filing for bankruptcy, as this guy Carpels did at Mount Gox, because they'd lost close to $500 million. 
I doubt that human, you're going to have a hard time. It's not impossible, but you're going to have a hard time finding anyone who can operate a digital currency system and not try to use that system for his own, for increasing his own wealth. It's the kind of thing, it's so easy to steal digital currency that it becomes an almost irresistible temptation. And the lesson here is if you can't trust Bitcoin, if you can't trust that, how can you trust the dollars in your bank account? They're just digital. No. What makes any of us think that we can trust our existing digital banking system with credit cards and debit cards and so on? Not too much cash. Why would anyone think we can trust that more than we can trust Bitcoin? And from my perspective, there's not good reason to believe we can. And there's more than a little evidence to indicate that we can't. We can't trust it. What has happened? How much inflation have you folks suffered in the last 40-some years? Enough to make your dollar worth less than a nickel compared to what it was back in 1971. That's digital currency in action. That's the inflation that allows people in positions of power to just just skim a little off the top, a couple percent every year, and it will skim a little off the top, and the people don't complain too much because they're only getting robbed or maybe 2% a year. But after 40 years, you're down close, you're down over 95%. This is what happens. If we had been saving our money in the form of gold, all the time for the last 40 years, uh, you would not be down 40%, or or excuse me, 95%. Your wealth would have been preserved. These digital coins, Bitcoin, brilliant idea, but you still got to trust somebody. You've got to trust the systems analyst, the programmer, the guy that runs the business, Somebody is in a position to steal that digital currency, and you've got to trust them. There's a verse in the Bible that says, trust no man. Warn, don't put your trust in people. All right, doesn't mean you have to be paranoid, but don't put your trust. Somebody says, well, here, let me hold your money for you. You can trust me. Probably not a good idea. If the Bible is true, that's probably not a good idea. You've got to be wary. Let the buyer beware. Little of that. And part of the way you don't trust other people is you take your gold, your silver, whatever you have for wealth, and you keep it in your hand. Now, I don't mean that you walk around with it, holding it in your pocket all day and the rest of that sort of thing, but it's close at hand. Bitcoin is another one of these deals where you trust people, and on top of them, you trust your wealth to a digital form of currency. This is going to end badly every single time, not necessarily in the next six months, but inevitably. You want to trust in the digital currency? Well, good luck with that. But I don't believe it's going to work out well over a period of time. What's next, Melody? And it's just always amazing. I was talking to a client earlier today, and we were talking about, you know, I've been doing this for a little over 20 years. Back then, you know, we had dealers, that you know, gold dealers and silver dealers. We all talked the same fundamentals, and we competed with price and and uh, education and so forth. It was, it was a, a level playing field, but people received 
much of the same information about gold and silver, uh, the fundamentals. Now, after 2008, you have everybody and their brother uh, on the Internet trying to sell gold and silver, and they create all kinds of stories, all kinds of theories, all kinds of pitches, all kinds. They've created novelties. They've created gimmicks. And there isn't anything that is common anymore to the fundamentals of gold and silver. And it's confusing people. And I hear this every day. People who come to me, well, I heard this, well, I heard that. And I do appreciate that because I can help people understand the truth other than just something that comes, you know, from left field out of somebody that you don't even know who's on the Internet. And it just baffles me how people trust so much of what comes from the Internet. Well, it comes it from anybody. It comes from your congressman. comes from your senator. But at least you know who they are. The on the Internet, you don't even know who they are, Al. Well, I agree with that. That's a, I mean, that's you have no idea who they are. Yeah. And uh, it, it just surprised it, – it I just get amazed. But there's evidence of But people. my point that I was trying to make – and you're right. It, it's – you know, I'm not even sure what point I was trying to make. It's just – it just gets upsetting to me because people are just led so much astray. You know, Bitcoin, I can remember talking... It's a question of trust. Bible says trust no man. In other words, if somebody tells you that the price of gold is going to go up to $20,000 an ounce, well, maybe that's true. But you can't trust people that are going to tell you that. You have to do some sort of research to verify whatever it is Whatever foundation this guy says, here's why I say the price of gold is going $20,000 an ounce. All right, maybe it is. I don't know. But if somebody says it, you can't just automatically believe it. You can't just trust in people to make these assertions. You have an obligation to dig into the facts yourself and do some research and come to your own conclusion and say, no. I don't think it'll go over eighteen thousand. But you don't right? do. But you don't do your research with other analysts. You have to read the news. You have to I read get the that. stats. I get that. But this but, is a function uh, of trust. That's how we are misled because we are intended. We are. We are inclined. There's something natural in the species where we are inclined to trust other people, and often to our detriment. It is that trust that allows us to be deceived, and sometimes exploited. And it's not a matter of being paranoid but it is a matter of being personally responsible we would rather trust than assume responsibility liability for ourselves i don't have to do any study i'd trust in so and so no you do need to you need to do some of your own homework i do my all my reading all my own research uh, people ask me all the time well who do you follow i don't follow anyone i do my own research i've been doing this for a long time alan you've been doing this for a long time and uh that's how we come to the conclusions that we come to i don't read any analysts i might read them just to you know just to read but other than that not for my opinions not i know i understand gold i understand where we're headed i understand the fiat currency and i understand inflation and so people get strayed from those simple fundamentals of gold and silver. We have a caller. I wanted to talk a little bit about Apple, but we have a caller, Ivan, uh, calling us. Good afternoon, Ivan. Yes, good afternoon, Melody. Uh, how are you doing? Good. What's up, Ivan? Uh, I have one uh, point I'd like to uh, discuss. Uh, there is a, what we call a low-intensity war going on. 
across the LOC between India and Pakistan, which uh, there is nothing on MSM for the last, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is happening for the last few months, that there is a shooting and killing on both sides of the LOC where they, uh, you know, they both India and also uh, Indian, also Pakistani soldiers are dying. And I was wondering, since both of them are nuclear powers, uh, this uh, could probably be uh, another spark which could ignite the expected third world war. What are, what is, what are your thoughts about it? Well, the problem is probably that here we, we still have our military relationship with Pakistan is something we have to be careful about. Our economic relationship with India is something we have to be careful about. We're right there in Afghanistan across the border from Pakistan. Um, it's a very ticklish situation. What are you going to do? I mean, the United States is caught here. If if we get into this, we're going to have to choose sides. And which side do you suppose we're going to choose? The radical Islamists uh, that are at least close to power in Pakistan, or shall we choose the Hindus who are just out to uh, make a buck in the, in the global economy? Which which ones do you think we should choose, Ivan? Well, I mean, uh, I don't think we'll have much choice after it happens, but uh, what, uh, you know, they, they had two wars already between uh, India and Pakistan, yeah, I know. so should, should that explode, I mean... Uh, uh, you have, uh, you know, that's that's one thing, and I, I, like I said, we are giving Pakistan a lot of money, you know, in, uh, like we give everybody else, uh, Egypt and Israel, everybody else. So uh, we're just spreading the money which we don't have, and uh, you know. But we're not. What are we buying about, with? What are we buying with that money? Other than well, an opportunity to give them more money. I mean, some of the people we give money to are just snarling and snapping at us, and they don't respect us, and they don't like us, but as long as we're giving them money, they'll kind of keep quiet. But when the day comes, when the money supply runs out, they'll turn their backs on us in a heartbeat. And I would expect something like that out of Pakistan. And the other point, of course, is Pakistan and India used to be one nation. Uh, What we're really looking at is a kind of civil war between the... The, the Muslims in India and the and the Hindus, and that's where these people don't like each other. They're they're pretty serious about this, and it's not going to wipe out just by creating a new country for Pakistan. And say okay, all the Muslims go up there and the Hindus stay down here. Uh, it's a difficult situation, but I'll tell you what, Ivan, we are out of time. I want to thank you for your phone call. It's a good subject. We'll have to consider it another day. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Yvonne for calling in on the program. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a fall. 
Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your healthcare options just became endless. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. much stuff going on, but I wanted to try and clear something up and get the facts out for as much as I could until, of course, they change. But you all know that there's been this huge debate raging about GMOs for a long time. On one side, you got the false idea that genetic engineering is progress for humanity and basically it's a natural extension of more traditional breeding techniques. On the other side, you got GMOs run safe for human consumption and harmful to the environment. So the biotech companies, they claim that genetic modification will yield more precise control over artificial selection. And the studies that, they, the, that are funded by the biotech industry consistently demonstrate safety, but only over the short term. And for years, the companies like Monsanto and Dow and Syngenta, they and any other non-entities, they base the agricultural, what, what basically these biotech ag companies and all the big corporations have basically been telling us that we have nothing to worry about, that this will be the technology 
that will improve food in every conceivable way because, after all, what does God know? You know what I mean? So food will be more nutritious, more vigorous, more disease-resistant, and will cost you an arm and a leg. And there's literally thousands of studies demonstrating the safety of GMOs. But there's only one problem. The pattern of all these reports, the glowing short-term studies, are basically funded and performed by the industry itself. But as more and more independent scientists complete long-term studies, oh, a very, very different picture emerges about the safety of GMOs and their many other drawbacks. And when these studies are not funded by the industry, the results show us an uncontrollable, uncontainable, and dangerous technology with extremely, extremely serious health hazards. So one of the first studies that rang that bell was this two-year long-term chronic toxicity study. And don't believe the crap that's vomited by the biotech industry that criticizes the Seralini study until you take time to look at it and look at the defense of their methods. Basically, the Seralini study that was done in France was a very well-designed and well-conducted study. And if we're going to accept the argument that the Eric Giles Seralini study doesn't provide substantial evidence that GMOs are dangerous, then we also have to reach the conclusion that the short-term toxicity studies funded by the ag industry, primarily Monsanto, on GM foods can't prove that they are safe. And they are, in fact, the same type of studies done the same way, and even use the same type of rats. The only, and I'm talking about the four-legged ones, not the ones that are in political office, the only significant difference was the length of time of the study. You see, Seralini's studies showed how the previously 90-day studies are misleading because 90 days is not long enough to test for long-term effects like organ damage, cancer, and premature death. The first tumors appeared in the rats after four months. And the study, the Seralini study, was able to distinguish the effects of genetically modified food from genetically modified food grown with the allotted pesticides. And the results provided strong evidence supporting the claim that the GMOs, especially GMO food that's grown with Roundup and their highly toxic ingredient glyphosate is extremely toxic and unfit for human 
or animal consumption. There are other studies out there that show that GMOs are even worse than what was originally feared. There was this study done by a guy named Dr. Kruger, and his study showed how chronically ill people have higher glyphosate levels than healthy people. Then a guy named Dr. Swanson, he leaked glyphosate use with America's deteriorating health. Then a guy named Dr. Young, he showed how Roundup is an endocrine disruptor in the human cells at surprisingly low amounts. So it doesn't take much Roundup to disrupt the hormones and the levels of Roundup allowed in municipal drinking water is enough to cause severe harm. And there's a lot of other studies out there that have been done showing other problems with GMOs. So independent science is coming to a different conclusion than industry-funded science. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't know if it surprises you. But the one thing that got me most of all was um, Stephanie Senna from MIT's report that drew the definite link between glyphosate and autism and her conclusion that by the year 2020, that's in five years, one in five little kids will be autistic just from GMOs. So this guy, Dr. Araby, well, he fed rats a diet of genetically modified soy and genetically modified corn for up to three months. And even though it was such a short duration of study, the study ended up with this surprisingly, or surprising number of dead and unhealthy rats, except of course the control group of rats who were not fed GMOs. So the damage done to the rats from the short-term GMO consumption was a mind blower. The study showed this wide range of toxic effects, including DNA damage, abnormal sperm, blood changes, and damages to the liver, the kidneys, and the testes. And the study showed and provided concrete evidence that genetically modified foods are hazardous to your health. And since most Americans have been eating GMOs for a lot longer than three months, the only reason that we're not all dead is because genetically modified foods are not the only food that we eat. So if 100% of all our food were genetically modified, then our overall health as a nation would be even worse than it already is, if you can believe that. And as a nation, the U.S. is in really bad health. And we have every reason to believe that genetically modified foods are a big part of the problem. I mean, come on, man. Rats can thrive on garbage and all manner of junk foods, but you feed the rats enough GMOs and they get cancer in a heartbeat. So for years, biotech has tried to frame the argument for genetic modification as one between the knowledgeable and the unknowledgeable. So in their efforts to change the image, 
they've managed to recruit Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson to advocate for the science of genetic engineering. So Nye and Tyson, they play the part of the critics of genetic technology as superstitious and ignorant. And they respond to the criticisms of GMO technology as if they were addressing irrational fears. So when Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson talk GMOs, they make these incredible, bold pronouncements declaring GMOs to be safe and wonderful. And the way they present only one side of the argument is what the biotech industry wants. So it would be nice to believe that Bill Nye, the science guy, and Neil, De, and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson would never ex- accept any money from biotech to change their opinion. But both of those guys visited Monsanto's headquarters, and both of them began singing GMO praises immediately thereafter. You see, Monsanto is the master of lobbying, otherwise known as legal bribery. And it would have been good for business to buy off Nye and Tyson's opinions, but thankfully not every scientist is for sale. But by never addressing the evidence provided by long-term studies, independent studies, or the concerns of numerous prominent scientists, the biotech hookers further the misconception that they are the ones in the know and everyone else is the dick. So in truth, the science isn't that complicated. Anyone can come to understand GMOs well enough to become informed. But the public sees Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson as spokesmen for science. What the problem is that neither of them are as broadly trained in science as most people think. Yeah, they talk on a wide variety of scientific topics, so they give the impression that they just know just about everything. But in truth, there has not been anyone knowledgeable enough to fill Carl Sagan's shoes after he died But that's a story for another time because that guy is an idiot also, even though Bill and Neil have certainly tried. Those guys give the impression of being knowledgeable in all fields of science, you know, as their mentor, Carl Sagan, actually was. You see, Carl Sagan was adamantly opposed to genetic engineering, and he had advanced training in biology. So basically, science needs a spokesperson that is not for sale. So this is not a debate of irrational fears versus some pragmatic technology. This is an argument among scientists and governments. There are those scientists who are employed by the U.S. government and biotech. And then there's just about everyone else. 
So on the issue of GMO labeling, over 90% of us are in agreement. And so many countries all over the world have banned the cultivation of GMOs. And many countries mandate that GMOs be labeled. And the debate went global a long time ago. And while the rest of the world bans GMOs, America has been unsuccessful in getting GMOs labeled. So the scientists have been speaking out against GMOs for a long time. And for years, they've been pointing out the GMO failures in yield and toxicity and safety and containment. And recently, the World Health Organization has named Roundup as a probable carcinogen. They had to leave the door open. That's why they had to use the word probable. They had to leave a place where they could sneak out and crawl away if they had to. And one of the most common genetic modifications is the modification making crops Roundup ready and immune to the Roundup herbicide. So in light of the health concerns raised by the skeptical scientists, you would think that the U.S. would be scaling back on its use of Roundup and other suspected or known toxic chemicals in agriculture instead of scaling back on the use of these poisons, they've been used even more widely. So before the harvest of conventional oats and wheat and other crops, Roundup is applied in large amounts. And this dramatically increases the American's consumer exposure to this probable carcinogen. So the U.S. government has now approved the the use of Agent Orange Ready 2,4-D soy and corn. Do you really believe that anyone should consume 2,4-D in their food? Really? But the government says it's okay, despite that common sense says it's not okay, or if that fails some of us, there's plenty of evidence and hundreds of experts to fall back on. Now, you have to understand that 2,4-D was the active ingredient in Agent Orange. And recently, the U.S. government came out and said, after how many years since the Vietnam War? 50 years? Yeah. We, we, We realized that our guys got screwed up and for those six that are still alive, we'll, we'll help them with their medical problems from being exposed to 2,4-D. So how come it's not okay to be exposed to the fumes of 2,4-D, but it's okay to eat 2,4-D? Somebody can answer that question. I would love to hear the answer. So there are scientists out there from Harvard University and other places that have written an open letter to the governments and the international forums. 
And those prominent scientists are really, really concerned about the hazards that GMOs pose to biodiversity and food safety. And they are extremely concerned about the risks that the GMOs pose to human and animal health. And experts all over the world are saying, hey, come on, man, it's time to change the way we do agriculture. So these and hundreds of other scientists worldwide are calling for a ban on patents on life. Patents on life forms threaten food security and health around the world. Patents, they argue, have the effect of legally sanctioning biopiracy of indigenous knowledge and genetic resources. So life forms like organisms and seeds and cell lines and genes are discoveries. And those discoveries should not belong in corporations, but they should belong to all of us. And those discoveries should not be the kind of discoveries that a person or a corporation should be able to patent. Okay, genetically modified pollen from genetically modified crops can travel miles. It's commonplace for birds and insects and weather to carry genetically modified pollen and seeds. The animals and the natural processes can spread the patented genes onto other farms. When this happens, when these genes go to other farms, the farmers that the wind blew the stuff over to are sued. And contrary to common sense, they are the ones that usually lose in court. So genetically modified crops cross-pollinate with other crops so strongly that we can't get rid of the unapproved varieties of GMOs. And genetically modified wheat keeps popping up in farmers' fields across the country as though it was, even though it was ordered to be completely destroyed 14 years ago, back in 2001. Do you understand? Patents are meant to protect property rights, but patents on genetically modified foods have been used to take farmers' lands away from their rightful owners and to control the farmers. So instead of protecting the freedom to own property, the patents are eroding the rights of the property owners. So the current techniques that are used to genetically modify foods, they are unreliable, they are uncontrollable, and they are unpredictable. And hundreds and even thousands of unwanted mutations result from genetic engineering. What does this mean? Well, it means that they can result in new allergens and new toxins 
and new viruses. Now, this makes sense when you consider that genetically modified foods are made to be either immune to poison or create their own poisons or both. You understand? So traditional breeding techniques are simply more controllable and predictable. And this is an argument that's being made by thousands of farmers and scientists. So if genetically modified crops are neither necessary nor beneficial to agriculture, why do they push it? There's been many failures of genetically modified crops. And now that independent research is being done on the GMO crops, the picture, the picture of a failed technology is just blatant from the research. What, what they've found is that genetically modified crops have produced inferior yields when compared to their unmodified counterparts. They found that genetically modified crops have shown to have extremely poor disease resistance. So now you have genetically modified crops that are engineered to contain, to contain the Bt toxins, which kill the beneficial insects like the bees, the lacewings, the swallowtails, the monarch butterflies. But Monsanto claims they're concerned about this, but so far have been greenwashing everything. That's been their response. Also, the glufosinate or glyphosate causes birth defects. The GMOs cause fruit abortion, which means a failure of fruit production. The glyphosate has been linked to cancer and autism. The farmers have poor, poor financial returns. The GMOs violate the farmers' rights and Monsanto takes their farms away by lawsuits every month. And the GMOs violate human rights and basic human dignity. I mean, the right to know and control what we put into our bodies is a basic and fundamental human right, but they don't want that. So the 800 plus scientists who wrote their open letter to the world call on support for research and development of non-corporate sustainable agriculture. And much of this invaluable research has already been done. You got a guy, his name is Bill Mollison. You got a guy named David Holmgren. They have developed sustainable non-corporate organic agriculture. They can farm anywhere and their yields are amazing. Their techniques are called permaculture, which means permanent culture. And if agriculture does not become sustainable, then not only will agriculture not last, but we will not survive. So when genetically modifying our food the biotech industry would have the public believe that they are improving upon life and doing it sustainably. We're told that the benefits outweigh the risks 
or even less believable that genetic engineering is a risk-free technology. But when it's put into practice, the benefits accrued to big agriculture, while the costs are paid for by the consumer and society in the form of higher process prices, toxic foods, and environmental degradation. The cost of GMO foods is paid by the farmers. They face the threat of GMO contamination, pesticide runoff, soil degradation, and higher seed prices. And the same crops that become genetically modified become more expensive in all of their varieties, GMO or non-GMO. And in a successful attempt to manipulate the market, the biotech companies have been buying seed companies for the longest time. What this does is enable the biotech companies to make non-GMO seeds more expensive and harder to obtain after they genetically modified a particular crop, such as corn, for example. So non-GMO corn seeds became much more expensive in North America after Monsanto produced genetically modified corn seeds. Now, even though this is a violation of our antitrust laws, the biotech companies are still getting away with it. The same thing's happening in Spain. After allowing the GMO cultivation, the variety of maize available to Spanish farmers declined dramatically. So what's going to happen? Corn prices are going to go up. Genetic engineering is not what big agriculture claims it is, and it will never do what they claim it will. The critics of GMO technology are often condemned for being anti-science, as if being against one type of technology is the same as being against all forms of technological progress. So health problems are rising with an increased GMO consumption. And many, many, many people will argue it's a coincidence. But a firm belief in coincidence is what biotech has been counting on since the technology has been released to the public. There ain't no labels, which means no liability and no traceability. That's only some of their protection. You can't sue for Monsanto for harm caused by their products. So they enjoy special legal protection that they lobbied and paid big money for. So you have to understand, in case you didn't know it, that the American politicians are for sale. And those legal protections could be taken away from them if more of us would question the coincidences and investigate the correlations. It's going to take an overwhelming majority of us to demand change in order for change to happen. The Vietnam War ended under the same intense, sustained pressure of the American people. That wasn't what the, in, the, the military and industrial complex wanted. So it was an uphill battle. 
And this is going to be an uphill battle as well. But we still have to do it. Why, why do we have a problem? Why is it so hard? You've got, oh, God, what's the guy's name? you got two Supreme Court justices that were working for Monsanto's law firm. One is Elena Kagan. The other guy is, uh, I can't remember his name. It'll come to me, the, the black guy. I can't remember his name anyway. So, okay. So that's Supreme Court. Then you got Monsanto Mike, who was also a lawyer for Monsanto that got appointed as the food czar for the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration. They're all over the place. You've got the biotech industry spending millions, giving millions to Hillary to become the next president. Why would they do that, you ask? Why? Why in the world would they want to give it to Hillary? I mean, Pinocchio, 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 all the way down the line. She should change her name from Hillary to Pinocchio Clinton. She used to work for a biotech industry law firm. You see, I have a favorite expression. My expression is, in God we trust, all others pay cash. I was reading this book the other day. It was an online book. And it's called Dead Doctors Don't Lie. And it's written by a guy, I think it was Joel Wallach, his name was. And I was reading, I read, I read the book. I printed it, downloaded it, printed it out and read it. And he was talking about how, and it's where, the, where the title of the book came from, Dead Doctors Don't Lie, is that once a doctor dies, he can't lie to his patient anymore. Because basically what they do is you come down with an illness, they tell you, you got to take drugs, baby, because they're basically hookers for the pharmaceutical industry. Okay, it's a given. We know that. I don't even have to go out on a limb for that one. But what he did was he analyzed certain illnesses, and he found that those illnesses arose because certain minerals and nutrients were missing. And he attributed the absence or the vast minority of vitamin E and selenium and chromium and copper and vadnium and calcium. And he just went through this amazing array of the things that were not being told to patients and why they suffered from all these different diseases. And I read everything and He's telling everybody you should go take these supplements. So I, on my own, and I'm going to rewrite, I'm going to write the article, and it'll appear sooner or later on my website, which is healthtalkhawaii.com. I went and I wanted to find the most significant food sources of vitamin E and vitamin C and cadmium and copper and boron and selenium and the list goes on and on and on. The majority 
of food sources containing all of these essential nutrients, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds. Occasionally, occasionally, he says with a straight face, there are some sources that contain incredible amounts of mercury and PCBs and aluminum and other toxic wastes that are dumped into the rivers that proliferate the oceans. And those sources are called fish. So why in the world would you want to eat something that supplied a particular mineral alongside of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, and seeds that do not contain mercury and aluminum and PCBs and radiation and toxic waste, why would you then choose to take what has disastrous stuff in it in the first place? And the reason is obvious. Your taste buds have become addicted. The other day I was talking to this lady. She called me up and she's asking me about sulfur. Will the sulfur help my kidneys? I said, okay, what's the underlying source going on here? And will the bee pollen help my kidneys? And will the superfoods help my kidneys? So I said to her, okay, you got diabetes. I know that the sulfur will minimize or lower the quantity of insulin that you have to take. But that's type 1 diabetes. What what type diabetes do you have? And she says, I have type 2 diabetes. I said, type 2? Would you like to get rid of type 2 diabetes, say... Within a month, she goes, oh, my God, I would love it. I said, type 2 diabetes is a fat disease. What do you mean? I said, whatever foods you eat that contain fat would contribute to type 2 diabetes. And you would need to eliminate them from your diet. She said, well, I don't eat foods that have fat in them. I said, do you use oils for cooking? She goes, well, yeah. I said, that's fat. I said, do you eat milk products? She said, of course I eat. I said, that's fat. I said, do you eat eggs? She goes, of course I eat. I said, that's fat. I said, do you eat chicken and turkey and fish and bacon and steak? She goes, Of course I do. I said, that's fat. You have to eliminate that from your diet. And within one month, if you go on a vegan diet, within one month, you will no longer have type 2 diabetes. And it was silent. And she said, I don't know if I can do that. I said, are you content then to spend the rest of your life 
taking synthetic chemicals to treat a symptom rather than change your diet to affect a cure. And she said, you serious about within a month? I said, yeah. Take a walk on the wild side. Go vegan for a month. No GMOs, because that's all chemicals too. Try to be as organic as possible. So what do I do in my cereal in the morning? What do I do in my oatmeal? I said, instead of using liquid fat, which is milk, because it's cooked to death, why don't you use almond milk? Why don't you use rice milk? Why don't you use soy milk? Why don't you use hemp milk? She goes, there's milks out there like that? I said, you've got to shop in the natural food stores, and it's all over the place. You see, we, we grow up, and I am no different than anybody else, Believing a certain way of life, eating a certain diet because it comes past to us down from generations. But ultimately, when you look at the food charts, that's, that's put together by the Grocery Manufacturers Association. That's not put together by people who want you to be healthy. That's put together by people who just want you to spend their money, your money, on them. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, it, it, we're always faced with money. We're faced with money. We're faced with racism. We're faced with so much stuff because of misconceptions. So let me put a little bit of humor into this, if that's possible, okay? So Mendel... Nice little Jewish guy. He's sitting at a bar staring at his drink. And all of a sudden, this, this big troublemaking biker walks up to him, grabs his drink, and drinks it all. And he looks at him and he says, Thanks a lot, Jew boy. What are you going to do about that? So Mendel starts crying. And then the biker looks at him and says, Yeah, hey, come on, man. I don't think you cried. Come on, give me a break. I can't sit and see a guy cry. What's your problem? And Mendel looks at him with a straight face, and he says, oh, man, this is the voice day of my life. He says, ah, nothing goes right. I'm a complete failure. I was late to a meeting, and my boss fired me. When I went to the parking lot, my car had been stolen, and I don't got insurance. I left my wallet in a cab that I took home. I found my wife in bed with the mailman. And then, last but not least, my dog bit me. So I come down to the bar to wake up the courage to put an end to it all. And I'll buy a drink. And I drop a little pill in it. And I sit there watching the poison dissolve. And then you show up and you drink the whole thing. But enough about me. How is your day going? So anyway, we've got situations here that you need to strive for health because otherwise you're controlled by the big food companies, by the biotech companies, and by the pharmaceutical industry. 
People living in large urban areas tend to be more liberal in their viewpoints. But these larger urban centers are more likely, due to the population numbers, to be users of mind-altering drugs that are pushed to them by the pharmaceutical industry, which can make them angry and psychotic. We all have been aware that mass murderers are almost always taking some sort of psychotropic drug which desensitizes them, makes them angry, alters their moods, and just changes everything. Now, the scientists have discovered that the statin drugs, which can be used to treat high cholesterol and asthma and acne, can also alter moods and make normally calm and placid people angry and aggressive, violent and jealous, suicidal and homicidal. There was an article in the United Kingdom's Daily Mail that said this little understood threat was highlighted this month when researchers found that taking statins to lower cholesterol and prevent heart problems can make some women aggressive and violent. And this was reported by the science journal PLOS 1, plus 1. So in a study of a 1,000 people by researchers from the University of California, the scientists discovered a link between statins and aggression, and it was particularly significant in postmenopausal women over the age of 45. Now, women that are on statins, interestingly enough, that were normally placid, were the most likely to become aggressive, and this was discovered by the researchers. And then when the study was done with men, only three showed large increases in aggression. So this association of change in attitude through statins has been known for at least 10 years. After having been uncovered by the U.S. and the Italian scientists. But why the connection exists is still a mystery. One theory is that the lower levels of cholesterol in the brain could be to blame, and studies have shown that violent prisoners are more likely to have low brain cholesterol. But statins aren't the only medications known to cause mood swings and aggression. The prescription-only asthma drug Singular was linked in 2008 to four suicides in the U.S., one suicide attempt in Britain. And the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, reports that almost a 1,000 cases have been linked to the drug and higher levels of aggression. And other reported side effects include agitation, anxiety, hallucinations, depression, insomnia, and irritability. Natural News, which is probably one of the best, if not the best, 
natural websites out there reported that about one-fifth of Americans are now taking some form of psychotropic drugs just to cope with their everyday lives. Serious? Really? And much of this use is concentrated in the urban centers. So in, let's say Alexandria, Virginia, the rate of antidepressant usage is the highest in the country with a full 40% of the people living there receiving prescriptions. Cape Cod, Massachusetts, tops the country in the use of stimulants. 16% of the population filling at least one prescription compared to a, a mean of 2.6% nationally. Gainesville, Florida, the highest utilization rate of antipsychotics. Almost 5% of the residents well above the national mean of 0.8%. So the study that was funded by the Yale School of Management noted that the higher rates of use generally occurred in urban or suburban regions where the patients had greater access to healthcare facilities and primary care provider providers. Also, rates of use were higher in regions where the pharmaceutical companies spent more money marketing their psychotropic drugs. So within Connecticut, the New Haven area had the highest rate of antidepressant use, almost 15%, compared to the average of 10.5% nationally. Stimulant, stimulant use was high, highest in Stamford, Connecticut, at almost 4% compared to 2.5% nationally. Antipsychotic use was highest in the Hartford area at 3.8% compared to the 0.8% national means. So the higher rates of the mind-altering statins and psychotropic meds are occurring just about everywhere but they're having a profound effect on liberal cities and other urban centers, turning people into angry, jealous, and suspicious time bombs. Why? Why, why do you think this is happening? Do you think that people are frustrated? Do you think that they're living above their means? Do you think that they're trying to fit in? Do you think that they're trying to survive, but their income isn't enough for them to be able to live the lifestyle they want to portray to everybody else? Frustration is a detriment. Why can't you just accept what you have and live within the means of what you have. Because we're all worried about what is he going to think about me? What is that person going to... What is... What, what, who gives a crap what they think? 
if you do what you have to do and you're surviving, you will find like sources that feel the same way. You know, recently, it was really interesting. I had to go back to New Jersey for a while. Oh, my God, yes. I know. Stop laughing so I can finish this. And I went to a place in New Jersey I'd never been to before. It's called Long Beach Island. And Long Beach Island, okay, it's very sterile compared to Hawaii. You come to Hawaii and you see houses, but you see trees and greens and flowers and shrubs, and it's peaceful and it's so nice. But this is just concrete and big houses and everybody trying to impress everybody by how affluent they are because we're living and we have a home that's within two blocks of the ocean. If you live four or five blocks away from the ocean, we don't want to associate with you because your home is not worth as much as being two blocks near the beach. I mean, what kind of thinking is this? Why? So me, hey, I walked through a door a long time ago. I walked through the looking glass long, long ago. If someone likes me for who I am, great. You don't like me for who I am, I'm sorry because I can't be who you would like me to be in order for you to feel comfortable. I can't. If that were the case, you would not be listening to me ramble on the radio show. That's for sure. Talk and stink about the government. Talk and stink about the pharmaceutical industry and the large grocery companies and the doctors and the mainstream media and the government officials. No, 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 no. I'm just talking straight, okay? And I am who I am, and that's the way it is. So anyway, we go and we visit these people. Nice guy. Down-to-earth guy and his wife, really nice. And we connect really well and everything is good. And on the way home, the person that drove us there says, you know, I was really embarrassed by you. I said, you were embarrassed by me? He said, yes. I said, why? Is it because we're all affluent people here and we don't conduct ourselves as a lower class would. I said, so you, you're saying that I'm in a lower class? Well, I'm not saying you're in a lower class. I'm just saying you, you're, you're not acting the way we would like you to act. I said, so in other words, you want me to be like you? And the person said, yes. I said, gee, it would take me some time to, to have to learn how to act like a phony, you know? With that, the guy pulled over and he said, I think you can walk home from here. I said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, you have a choice. You can either drive us home or I will come around, take you out of the car, and I will drive the car home, and then you can walk to where I am, and you can pick your car up. Well, the guy was really kicked off, but so was I. But he did drive us home, and he says, I hope I never see you again. I said, you probably won't because we're leaving in two days, and it would be really an honor if you would stay away from us. It'd be really nice. But the point is here, you have to be who you are. Once you start playing the game of wanting to be someone else, once you start playing the game 
of making believe you have what others hope you have so they can associate with you, 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 you're really contaminating yourself. You really are. It's easier just to keep it simple. And this is why people get frustrated, and this is why they take mind-altering drugs, and this is why they're depressed, and this is why, because they can't handle it, so they got to take the drugs that are given to them by the pharmaceutical industry, which completely screws them up. They either commit suicide or they kill people, which is good because that reduces the population. The only problem is they kill younger people so, but that's good too, because then they can't get old and they can't collect social security and the older people are going to die off anyway. And then we can take whatever's left in social security and we can use that to bail out our hedge funds. And that's how it works. So all I can say to you, you want to take a walk on the wild side, check out my website, healthtalkhawaii.com. Get away from being sick. Organic sulfur will help you. Bee pollen will help you. Shakeology will help you. Zeal will help you. The superfoods will build your immune system. The bee pollen will uh, uh, build your immune system. The sulfur will reverse just about everything you have wrong with you. All of a sudden, then you're healthy. Then you start to eat a little bit more healthy. And all of a sudden, your anxiety disappears and you're not nervous anymore and your tension disappears. Then you start shopping in the natural food stores and you find people of the same like, of the same same genre that want to keep it simple. And your life changes and you become happy and you live within your means. And you don't have to be the wannabe that your next door neighbor wants you to because he can't stand living next to someone who's not like him. I mean, it goes on and on and on, guys. Just be you. Just be normal. Just get a grip. You think it's normal to be on drugs your whole life? No. But your diet is thrust upon you. Hey, I write letters to the editor all the time. They don't print it. And now I'm on their S list because when I said, you don't print my letters because it goes against your advertising dollars, they got really upset. And that's the reality. It's all about money, no matter what anybody says. Do your job. Be mellow. Just do your job. Do it as well as you can. Come home. Go take a walk go to the ocean, go to the bay, just go and take a walk in the forest, do something, relax, be peaceful. Don't worry about the guy next door just bought a new Lexus or he just bought a new Cadillac or whatever and you're driving around a 1957 Chevy convertible. Let me tell you something. i give anything right now to have a 1957 Chevy convertible or even the 1949 Cadillac. Are you kidding me? They're the most unbelievable cars on the road. But, and there's always a but, time is running out. And uh, George Harrison singing My Sweet Lord is my favorite song, and it also, when it started playing, told me that I only had four minutes to go. So rather than take up too much more of your time, we'll let George Harrison his thing 
And uh, if you go to the ADR website, not only can you listen to this show, but you can also listen to my Honolulu show. And who knows? Maybe it'll have a positive effect. Maybe it won't. But I'll keep on trucking no matter what happens. Until next week, aloha. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Welcome to Condition Critical with your host, Jay Shanahan, breaking the stranglehold of the New World Order. And now, Jay Shanahan. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $140. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541-5499. 
5-4-6-5-9. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851, or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com, or simply call 316-619-4886, 316-619-4886. Apologize for the. There were some technical difficulties there at the beginning. Uh, sorry about that. So we're a little late coming in here, and I've kind of lost. Well, actually, I lost everything I was going to talk about. Uh, I'm trying to reboot it on another machine as we speak. So having said all that, uh, it is Tuesday. It's a little bit after three. It's ten after three out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Tuesday, August fourth. You are listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. Uh, go to the chat room. Frank talks about it enough. Uh, it's right on the, the homepage, AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com. Go to the left side, go to chat, get in there. I'm not in there at the moment because, like I said, I had some te- technical difficulties. And so as I speak, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and get in there. So I might be, be a little bit distracted. In the meantime, since I lost pretty much until I can get that back up, after the show last week, I don't know if any of you were aware, but – I just wanted to kind of bring this up just for the heck of it. Cause I mean, like right after the show last week, I, I went camping, took my son, him and I, we went out basically into the Mount Rainier national park and for a couple of days and just kind of wanted to let you in on, you know, kind of the, the activities and, and just, it was like just an all around good time. You know, it's kind of getting out in nature. We took a tent and that's how we do it. My son and I, and take a jet boil and some little meals and, I got a little charcoal grill 
just a small one, but perfect, you know, in a small cooler. When we're doing that type of camping, like I, I call it car camping, uh, we do go backpacking and we did do a couple of hikes, but this was basically just to kind of get out uh, and just get out. And, and I got to tell you, because it, it, it's been a while since I've done this camping, that is, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of the fact that I, I, for many years, I worked for another company that went out of business and I had a lot more flexibility there. So I, I was, I had a lot more flexibility. I could go camping a lot and I did. And with this new company, I've been here almost three years now, but it's just not the same. I don't have the same flexibility. So I, I just haven't gotten out there. There's actually, this is like maybe the, maybe only the second time in the last three years. So I got to tell you, it's, it's really cool uh, getting out there and, and Mount Rainier National Park is just unbelievable. If, if you've never been there, uh, I, I encourage you to check it out. There's just so much to do there. So much. I, you know, in two days, I mean, you, you can't even do, it's just, I can't even register if it's what you can't do because <laughs> there's so much to do. Uh, and we did as much as we could. We, we got up at the crack of dawn both days and, and uh, we just made full days of it both days. And, and, and then the third day, which now would have been Thursday because we, I work until early Tuesday morning because I work nights. I get home and I get a little bit of sleep and get up and do my show. Uh, and then, like I said, we left. So by the time we got to the campground, it was it was almost dark. We get the tent set up and we played a couple of games and uh, cooked on the grill and what have you and uh, taught my son a couple of knots. I, I don't know if there's some of you guys may be aware that I'm like this. I'm, I, I, I use 550 paracord and tie knots and different things and keychains and all kind of goofy, crazy kind of things. And so I taught him a couple of knots and we just had a good time and that the hikes were really good and it was just a good time. So I thought I'd share that with you. The weather was good. The second day, actually the third day, uh, this would have been Thursday now was too hot. And we had a, we had a heat wave too. And I've heard others mention on this network that are from this area, like Oregon and so forth. Well, Portland, not necessarily where Frank lives because they do get, they have a different weather pattern down there, but in Western Washington, I can tell you, we're not used to that kind of heat and it is just, it's miserable. Okay. It's just miserable. You just can't, you can't do anything. The air is just superheated and it's just the, you know, the house heats up and, and what I do normally on my days off, you know, like tonight after the show, after a bit, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the park and, and go for a walk a uh, couple, two, three, four miles and I'll run a little bit sometimes and, but it, it just was even too hot to do that. It was just really miserable. So other than the, the last day being a bit hot, it was it was a really good time. And, you know, I'm, him and I are, you know, just looking forward to, to getting back out there. So having said all that, I just kind of wanted to share that with you because it was a good time. And if I can encourage you guys to get out there in nature and just check it out, man, and, and just dig it, you know, wear a nice pair of boots and bring a camel back and, 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 and a cliff bar and just go for a hike. And it's just so refreshing. The air smells different. The sky's bluer. I mean, literally, I'm not just like right in a bowl. It's just that much different when you get out into that type of wilderness. Uh, and we got up as high as, uh, well, almost 6,200 feet at a couple of uh, points. And it was just, it was just great. And being that it was midweek, uh, there wasn't, as many people because, you know, some of the trails can get quite crowded. Some of the ones kind of closer in, and those are the ones that we did because we, that's not really why we went there. So, cause it can, it can, 
it can nearly be like you're at the mall it's on some of these uh hiking trails i kid you not and, and i don't favor those obviously but i've occasionally i've you know maybe just to get out and go for a, a short one uh but i wouldn't recommend that because it, it is it's like ah, you just think man I, I may as well be at the mall here's there a starbucks somewhere yeah it's unbelievable but it just kind of kind of gives you that impression of how how popular it is and how how much you know people really like it out there and how many people because of how many people get out there so anyway i did lose all of my stuff i'm trying to get it back up i have some notes written down uh i saw this last week and this is just going to be a quick one because you we've been hearing a lot about drones i don't know if you guys have but like on the news and and so forth there's kind of and and there's just in general a lot of talk about drones and i don't mean the ones that the u.s uh, government employs and murders people uh overseas i'm not necessarily talking about those i'm talking about the ones that you can buy on amazon right not the ones that amazon uses but just you buy one personally and you you whatever you just you just have it just as like a toy okay and again i lost the article but the i think it was the department of homeland security uh well they put a memo out uh, you know, kind of like a security threat. And I was just stunned. I'm like, really? The, the, the Department of Homeland Security is putting a security threat out on civilian use of drones. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, are these the same drones that the U.S. government like attaches uh, like uh, Hellfire missiles and, and, and such on them and, and, and kills people overseas and just like civilian, just wedding parties? Oops, those drones, it just strikes me as, I don't know, a bit hypocritical or it, it just kind of strikes me that the, the goal of these people, okay, God, I just thought I would, I thought I would throw that out there for you. Secondly, where was I? Bear with me because I did lose everything here. Okay, uh, you know, we over the last few shows I've talked about you know, and we're look, we're in the political season with this whole presidential uh, uh, election season. You've got all these candidates and there's I don't even know how many of them there are. I think Mickey Mouse is running. I think he just announced yesterday. Uh, I think he just announced because that's that's how many. It's just ridiculous. OK, well, Rand Paul was like one of the first. I think he may have been the first uh, Republican. And I was going to say legitimate Republican and I caught myself, but he was like the first. And I made the mistake when he ran for Senate back in 2010 of donating $25 because, look, we all want hope. You know, that's who humans, we want hope. And we got, we got to, like, have this hope, right? And I know that every time they just snatch it from us. But I was, I was deceived. I was duped. I had hope. You know, they were, they were going to stop Obama and they were going to ramp Paul. It was going to be all this you know, sweep out the old and get in with the new and, and back to the way it should be. I, I admit I was duped. I donated $25. And ever since then, they have been relentless, the Rand Paul people, in, in sending me emails. Okay. Each and every one of them are begging for money. And it's sickening. Not only that, it's offensive. And I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago because I called them. I said, hey, okay, uh, 
and I don't remember exactly what I said, so I'll paraphrase, but suffice it to say, I, I told them Rand Paul's a clown, okay? You got me? He's a clown. So, because I think it was about the Confederate flag thing. He came out, he jumped on that bandwagon because he's a clown. I said, stop email. Stop sending me emails begging for money. You got it? Take me off your, you got it? And they're like, well, yes, sir. And I said, okay, so I'm not going to get another one from you, correct? Wrong. I get them like two or three a day. Well, okay. So like one of the latest ones I got a couple of days ago, and I was going to call his office on the way home from work this morning, but I just didn't do it. And he's been on this crusade against uh, Baby Murder Incorporated, otherwise known as Planned Parenthood, and the death dealers that work over there. He wants to defund them. Okay, and that's, look, uh, that's the same thing to me. You know, that type of crusade to me is the same thing like I talked about last week with uh, a Donald Trump kind of glamming onto the illegal immigration thing. Like, how easy is that, right? Same thing with Rand Paul. He's on this big kick, this crusade. The emails are just, you know, flowing with, we got to stop him and we're going to do this. And now about every other paragraph, it's, but, but I need money. Okay, and then he would go on or the email would go on and so forth. And then at, at the end, in bold, donate now and so forth, whatever. I'm just like, how easy is that? I, I would think, I would think, this is maybe that hope part again. I would think that the vast majority of Americans are not in favor of abortion for any reason, period. That's number one. Number two, the, the federal government shouldn't be funding uh, Baby Murder Incorporated anyway. For any reason, period. So to have a bill to defund them doesn't even make any sense to me. We shouldn't even be funding them in the first place, period. That's all, okay? Period. How about this, Rand Paul? How about this? That you're with the same vigor, uh, you know, that you're applying towards this crusade. Why don't you apply it to like getting rid of the Federal Reserve? Huh? Why don't you try that? Or how about the IRS? Why don't you try that? Or how about the TSA or the Department of Homeland Security? How about those agencies and those mechanisms of government uh, that, are, that are actual government mechanisms instead of some, some baby murder incorporated that if, you, if, if the federal government didn't fund it, it may just wither on the vine and die. It may. It's probably the federal government. And I'm not an expert on it, but I'm guessing it's probably the federal government that is keeping that thing alive because that's their agenda. That's the federal government's agenda okay they're for it they're for baby murder period they know that the people aren't so they fund it to the tune of what is it 528 million dollars that's saying that every taxpayer because it's taxpayers money that's saying that every taxpayer in the united states favors baby murder that's what they're saying well i disagree now i get criticized and and i'll address this and and i don't know if it was necessarily a criticism uh, but I've been, but I'll just call it that for the, to make it just for the sake of argument. I've been criticized for like self depreciating myself because at times I'll say I'm just a truck driver. And let me explain that when I say that, first of all, because I, that's, that's what I really am. Okay. Uh, I'm not like a c- college graduate. I'm, I wasn't formally educated. I, I graduated high school, you know, and, and went to the service and, and I've been driving truck for the past 30 years. And so when I say I'm just a truck driver, what I mean by that is, look, if I get this stuff, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I'm just saying if I can get this stuff, 
I would assume that people smarter than me should be able, at least smarter than me, be able to get it. But it just doesn't seem like they do. It doesn't seem like they do. And it's just, it's very, it's just frustrating. Okay. And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there as a clarification is that when I say that, I'm not, you know, I I don't, I'm not doing it a way to self-depreciate myself. And I don't, at the same time, you know, mean that, you know, I'm not trying to be boastful or anything like anything like that. Like I know everything because, because I don't, I just have this weird affliction of paying attention and caring too much. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I do. Uh, it's, but to me, I don't know that there's any other choice. I could just sit back and worry about whether or not Russell Wilson, who is the goofball quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks is going to get a new contract. It just seems I can't even fathom that. I mean, sitting here right now, pretending I'm like in some sports bar somewhere, having a beer, arguing over that. I just, if I were to to beam myself into that situation, I would want to slit my wrist and think, don't you, don't you see what else is going on in this country and this world? And that's all you can think about. It just, I'm sorry. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. Now I know because I've been accused of just, you know, kind of being a stick in the mud because of that. Well, look, uh, that's, we are where we are. You know, just because I pay attention to it doesn't make it my fault, but it is happening. And to me, I just don't see, I just, I don't see another option. I don't see, uh, or I just don't see how I can ignore it, I guess. Now I know, and Frank and I have talked about this at length off the air about sometimes, you, you know, cause I asked him, how do you deal with it sometimes, Frank? Cause sometimes it really, then it can really just kind of, mm, it can just drag you down, you know, and. He, he's offered really good advice. He's there, Jay. Sometimes you just got to step away and so forth. And, and, and he's right. And, and, you know, and I've, I've done that and I, and, and I'll do it more uh, I, and I'll find the balance and, and, and so forth, but just, but to just to not pay attention at all. That to me seems completely, that just seems so, it just seems so irresponsible. And it just seems, well, it just seems so American though, because look how most Americans are. Come on, do you think Americans are happy? I, look, I drive truck. I'm in, I'm in traffic, you know, 60 hours a week in city traffic, and I see how people are. People are not happy with one another. They, they, they you know, they, they cut each other off. They give each other the finger. There's road rage things going on. People don't even know their neighbors. Their next door neighbor that they probably live next door to for 10, 15, and 20 years, they probably don't, they probably never even said hi to them. Things are bad. And I'm not, and it's, and I didn't make them bad because I care and because I pay attention to things. Anyway, I just thought I'd put some of that out there. And look, I'm not in the chat room. I'm going to have to wait until the break and I'll get into the chat room. Uh, and while we're on break and we're, we're getting close, I'll kind of pull up some of the things that I wanted to talk about. But I can't emphasize enough. I can't emphasize enough the, the, the lunacy of, of these elections, at least these. But it, look, even these small elections anymore, like for even just city council, they're so absurd. They're so absurd anymore. It just it just it just boggles my mind that. I, I'm like at a loss for words how absurd it is to participate and to support these people 
in, in any fashion, because each and every one of them, right from top to bottom, all of them are bad. They are bad. Otherwise, they wouldn't be running for office. Good people don't run for office anymore. They, well, they can't, because if they just get a little close, well, they'll get run over by a tractor, or they'll, they'll commit suicide by shooting themselves in the head. Twice. Something like that. And that's just a fact. So it just is absurd to me, folks. And, and you know, it's not just Donald Trump that I think is a, I don't think, he is. He's a charlatan and he's a punk. And Rand Paul is no different. They, how many times do we need to get sold out by a line of bull crap? How many times? Well, I guess one more time at least. What was that movie? Thank you, sir. May I have another? We just keep lining up. Thank you, sir. May I have another? And they just keep, <laughs> man, they got to be laughing. And, you know, I, I hate to say it. I really do. And I could be wrong. And we're almost at break. But they might be smart. They might not be so dumb, these politicians. Well, look, after the break, we'll get into some more things. And we'll see you after the break.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I worked the rigs from three to midnight On the Corpus Christi Bay I'd get off and drink till daylight Sleep the morning away I'd plan to take my widget Leave the rigs behind for good But that life, it is contagious Gets down in your blood I lived in Corpus with my brother We were always on the run We were bad for one another But we were good at having fun We got stoned along the seawall We got drunk and rolled a car We knew the girls at every dance hall 
This is the Condition Critical Hour or show. I haven't really decided what I'm going to officially name it, but it is you are listening to Condition Critical here on American Voice Radio. Tuesday, August 4th, it's uh, it's 3.39 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. I am in the chat room now. Uh, I also failed to mention at the beginning of the show, due to technical difficulties, I have a blog. You can go to my website, irish684.com. You can contact me through there as well irish684.com and i will post that in the the chat room and and secondly i say this every week and i'll continue to do so i encourage you to please donate to to this network and i'll post that link i haven't i haven't posted it uh today but please donate to this network it's it's a good network it's a great network uh you're not going to look you're just not gonna, you don't get this kind of uh information and not just my show obviously i i'm new at this and and i i hope that i'm i'm you know holding up to my end of the bargain but but the other programs on here are just phenomenal they they just are 
So, and that costs money. And, you know, one thing that, and I've said this before, that is, is why I, I stayed and never really left is because Frank doesn't beg. He's not always trying to, you know, sell you a, a subscription to this or that or, or hey, I need this. He, he just doesn't do it. I, in fact, I don't, I don't think I ever remember him begging for you to donate to his, to his network. But the fact of the matter is it does cost money. And you can do a one-time donation. It's real simple through PayPal or whatever, or this. And this is, I, I've, I'm not saying I've struggled with this, but I've been wanting to, to bring, to kind of put this out there the last couple of weeks. And I hope I'm not, and Frank, if you're listening and if you think this is out of line, you can jump in. Uh, everyone knows that I'm the knot tying guy and I make things with 550 paracord. Well, anybody that donates five dollars to Frank's network and they email me, I'll send them a, a paracord cross or a paracord keychain or whatever. And, and yeah, I'll even make it in any color you want. Okay, honestly, uh, I'll put my email address in there uh, in the chat room, and, and and I'm not and no, there's no obligation. I mean, I would give it to you for free because that's what I do. I just give them away. But I just feel that strongly about it. I honestly do. I feel that strongly about you know, this network and, and just kind of helping out because it's, that's what we're supposed to do. Cause there isn't anybody else, man. It's just us. And, uh, so the alternative is us not being here. And, uh, no, that's, that's not, that's not a scenario that, uh, that I want. And I don't think anybody else wants that. So anyway, sincerely, uh, I'll, I'll put my email address, in the chat room and just honor system again no obligation anybody to donate five bucks send me your address if you don't trust me email it to frank i and i hope i'm not putting them on the spot there and and no no obligations man and i'll send you uh i'll send you a, a paracord cross or a keychain like i said i'll make it any color you want so i'll i'll go ahead and just leave that where it is and i'll go ahead and continue on uh, like I said, I lost all of the stuff that I had. It's on this other computer and, and I was busy during the break and I got into the chat and so forth. And, but I can, I can kind of ad lib it. I'll stop with the Rand Paul. The guy's a clown. He's a charlatan and he's a punk. Okay. And a creep. He's all those things. I don't care about those people. There we go. But now we got to talk about another presidential candidate. And this kind of ties in with, with the, with this black lives matter uh thing that's going on which is more lunacy okay and i did manage to pull that article up mike o'malley he's the former governor of maryland and he's a punk and he's a creep okay and, and he's running for president obviously like i said mickey mouse just joined and so forth well he was at some let, let me see here uh he was at a he was at a like a forum somewhere in arizona and you can YouTube it. And if I find it, I'll put it in the chat room. If I don't do it after the show, if anybody wants it, maybe later on I'll be in the chat room. I'll put it in there. And just and, and he didn't even – I mean, he just barely got introduced. And the crowd started erupting. It was these Black Lives Matter creeps, okay? And they were chanting, acting like a bunch of, of savages, okay? And that's what they are. That's how they were acting. And they were shouting them down. And it just went on. And it was – it was – and, you know, it was kind of awkward to even watch. 
and you could see him sitting there. And this now, this is a guy running for president. And you, you could just, just see, and I was watching him sit there and just his whole posture, you know, his whole posture. And I'm like, really? You're running for president? Look at you. You're like a scared kid up there. But anyway, they, they sort of got the, the savages calmed down, kind of, sort of. And he went on to make some comments. And in one of the comments that he made, and I think he said it twice, I, and I think he may have said Black Lives Matter first, but then he went on to say, but white lives matter. And then he went on to say, and all lives matter. Well, they just went nuts. They, they went absolutely nuts. Well, they're not going to have any of that, these Black Lives Matter punks. Okay, so they shouted them down, and then one of these big, fat uh, African-American females got up on stage, and it was just really, it was a, he just let himself get bullied. And then afterwards, and I'll post this link. As a matter of fact, just give me a moment. I'll post it right now for, and I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if the video's here, but you could probably find it. Anyway, after, afterwards, then he went on to, now, he went on to like a question and answer kind of, you know, uh, thing with, with, let me find it here. What did they call themselves? Oh. I can't seem to find it right now, but anyway, it was with a now it was with a, it was with an African American female, uh, Black Lives Matter kind of internet host person or whatever, and she kind of questioned him on that, and he and it was again it was awkward. He was like profusely apologizing about saying, "Oh, I, you know, basically, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry if I offended offended you all." And again, I have to ask, you're running for president and you're going to let yourself be bullied by by these people? And some of the rhetoric, just read the article, some of the rhetoric is just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable from these people. And he's running for president. Now, well, I was just getting ready to say he doesn't stand a chance. Let's just say hopefully this guy doesn't stand a chance, and I don't think he does. But it's just more of the same. It's just more of the same. I mean... Supposed to be running for president. I, if it would have been me, you know, you stand up and, and you you shout them back down and you tell them to shut the hell up and then you call the cops, okay? And you get them to h out of there. That's what you do. Black lives matter. I've said white lives matter before any of these clowns have said it, and I've asked for justice for some of these other well for white people like uh, uh, Todd. What was his name? Uh, I talked about him last week. He was hogtied. He went to a concert somewhere in Mississippi. He's dead. Okay. Now, recently, in between uh, last week and, and this and today, you had a guy somewhere. I think it was in Texas, maybe. Uh, he uh, he died in police custody. He went into the jail, and I don't know, whatever. He's dead. A white guy. You don't see any justice for this guy. Okay, and then you had a Memphis police officer, a white Memphis police officer, get gunned down by an African-American male here recently. You don't see any justice, but you have seen a few more more news articles on the police officer. Uh, you just have. On this guy that got uh, died in police custody, you don't see – you'd have to really look for it. And I lost it again. I hate to, to be redundant. I lost that article. If I find it, I'll post it in the chat room. But my point is – 
where's the justice for that person? Well, there is no justice for him. He's just a white guy. They, nobody cares about him. These Black Lives Matter punks don't care about that. Just read the article and listen to what they're listen to their demands. Listen to them. Just read it and, and think what you would say if you were a candidate. I know what I would say. I, I know what I would tell them. And I know what would happen probably soon after that. There would be a fist fight. I, if I'm running for president, and here's a quote, and this is a quote, I don't know who said it. It says, if they plan to be president, black people are a constituency that, will not, uh, that they will not be able to take for granted. And they will need to speak directly to the issues that black people face directly. So what? They're the only people that live in this country now, I guess, right? They're the only people that live in this country. African people, Americans. They're the only people. There's no one else. I posted an article on my blog. It's the new, latest one, and it's titled E Pluribus Unum. Now, I, don't, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But anyway, it's the motto of the United States, Right. And it means the definition is, and it's you, it's Google, Wikipedia. The definition is of many, one. Of many, one. I don't get it. Are they the only people? I'll ask the question. Well, apparently, and look, uh, can you blame them because of how they get uh, catered to with the kid gloves and? And, and you can't, you have, to, you have to completely, if you're running for office, and, and if you plan to, 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 to take it, you know, beyond just announcing, you have to completely change your vocabulary when talking to African Americans. You have to, or else, or else. And it's a matter of, well, and here's the thing. Now, this is the tricky part. They don't, they don't supply us, and this would be helpful. I guess, I'm a fair guy. Hey, where's, where's the, the dictionary? Where's, for you, where's the, the dictionary for the vocabulary for, for the African Americans? Can I have that so I, so I know, so I don't, like, goof up? So when I, you know, when I prepare my speech, I can get, you know, your vocabulary dictionary, and I go, okay, crossroad, oh, I can't say that word. Let's see. Uh, this, well, can't say that. Oh, that phrase, can't say that. Hey, I, to be fair, but no, they, they don't, they don't supply that. It's just, it's like completely arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary. Just what it, whatever offends them, just whatever it is at any time. I mean, what offends them now, 15 seconds from now may not offend them, but seven seconds after that may offend them. It's like, okay, hold on here. Wait a second. That's not how things work. That's, well, it's not how they would work with me. I, I would go along because, like I said, I'm a fair guy. So, okay, uh, we can we can have like a we can have some rules here, but they're going to be fair, and they're and they're and they're going to be uh, they're going to make sense, or we're not going to play that game. You got it. Period. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you would succeed. But we don't have those kind of politicians anymore. What we have now, and I've said it, and I will keep saying it, and this is a Christian network, but they're punks. They're punks, and I, it's a Christian network. It's lunacy, and, and it angers me. 
And it, and it angers me that this is the best we can do. And we're just going to keep doing this, not just with the, the punk politician, but with the Africans, Americans. It's enough is enough. And at some point, enough is enough. Certainly, the person who was supposed to transcend race and turn this country around racially, Barack Hussein Obama, didn't do that. He made them worse. That's a fact. Just because I'm pointing it out uh, doesn't make me the bad guy. The fact of the matter is, and it wasn't because, you know, he didn't make things worse just kind of like on accident. It was, it was on purpose. It was completely on purpose. Or, I mean, how else, how else can you explain it or describe it? Okay, so he gets elected, uh, illegitimately, of course. And, look, that's just a that's, – th- those are just facts, too. That, okay, I, I'm not going to get into the whole if he's a citizen or if he's a usurper or a traitor. He's, he's all of those things, including a piece of crap. Okay, but then who does he put in as, as, as attorney general? Eric Holder. Who, do, who does he associate with? Look at his associate. Just look at who he, who he associates with. It's pretty simple. Coming from just a truck driver. Again, not self-depreciating myself, but I, you know, I didn't go to William and Mary or you know to MIT. I just went to high school and joined the service, and and then been driving truck ever since. And I can see these things. I'm not a very good speller. My grammar's kind of crappy at times. Uh, yeah, but I can get these things. I just do the best that I can, and I, and I can get these things. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm just a, you know, I get, I just get, kind of frustrated with with the whole thing. That enough of us look. If I said it before, if enough of us just do something, if you know, if one that doesn't, one person isn't going to do it. Two, five, ten. Look, let's start a group. I'll, come on, guys. Email me. Let's do, let's help me out here. Let's help. Let's help this thing along and and get rid of this lunacy. Well, I you know just start like one thing at a time, and it's really simple. The first thing you need to do is turn your television off. Now, if you can't turn it off completely, try it for like a five minutes a day at first, and then go fifteen, and then twenty, and then a day, and then you'll see how easy it gets and it, and, and it gets, it's, you know, it's like anything else at first, it's kind of hard and it's a little harder, but then it's like, wow, it's getting easier. And then, then you won't even, you, you'll go, how, how did I, I don't, I don't understand how I even did that before. Now you won't just like most, you won't even be able to walk by a television with it on and look and, and look at it and not be repulsed and, and offended and, and violated. You feel like, man, did I just see that? Did I just not, did I just hear that coming out of that television? Unbelievable. Turn it off and things will get easier. Things will get easier. And as far as dealing with African Americans, I just treat them how I treat everyone else. I don't treat them any differently. I talk to them the same way I talk to everyone else. I don't treat them differently. And when they say something to me, you know, and they, they accuse me of something, I tell them, you're only saying that because I'm white. I tell them that. And that works. Well, and that offends them, but I don't care. That's what you tell them. And I say to them, uh, what, you want treated differently? I thought you want treated the same. Which one is it? 
Which one isn't? You want treated differently or you want treated the same? The, the, here's the thing. If you, if, you, if you just treat everyone fairly, that's really the key. Because you can't treat everyone equal because we're not all the same and we are not all equal. That's just a fact. That doesn't mean, no, that you don't treat people fairly. And that's where, that's how I do things. That's how I try and, uh, that's how I try and conduct myself. I try and treat people fairly, not the same. That's insane to even think that you can treat everyone the same and everyone equally, because that's just, that's just, that's, that's lunacy. We're getting towards the end of the show. Look. I was listening. I, I turned mainstream radio on on the way home from work to get a traffic report. And I heard this thing, and they did this study about, I don't know if you guys heard this, it was about thermostats, like in an office environment. And it was like they did this study about how, you know, they, they, they pulled men and they pulled women, and women thought it was too cold, and, and men thought it was too hot. Well, guess what? Now, I kid you not, they determined that thermostats were sexist. Okay, and the female that was... Uh, that was doing this, this, this news piece was like awful. Yeah. This, you know, they did a, a thermostat uh, kind of thing back in the sixties and well, who worked in offices back then? What was all men? Look, men and women are different. Men are typically warmer. Look, I'm married. My wife in, 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 in the wintertime, man, it's, you could, it, it's like a, a sauna in the house and I turn the heat down and she's like, man, I'm freezing. She got sweaters. That's because we're different people. We're not the same. How hard is that? But that doesn't mean you, you, you know, uh, you know, disable the thermostat so your wife freezes to death. You treat her fairly. Hey, I can, I'll deal with a little bit of heat, but at the same time, can you deal with like a little bit of cold? And you work it out. How hard is that? That's pretty simple. Anyway, I go on and on. I apologize if I'm coming off as, uh, well, I really don't though, because I am angry. And we, and we need to get more angry, and we need to let them know that we're angry because they don't think we're angry because they're kicking our butts. They got people distracted, like I said, with Russell Wilson and his new contract. It's repulsive. It's repulsive. Ignore them and ignore all of that. Otherwise, hey, man, you know, uh, yeah, otherwise we're doomed. I used to say that in the chat room often. Well, hey, look, we're at the end of the show. It's been great talking to you this week. I look forward to speaking with you next week. I apologize for the technical difficulty in the beginning of the show. I'll try and post some of them links later on in the chat room. I'll find them, so if you're interested in them. Again, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, Keep listening, and God bless you all. a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now 
for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk. We have a great show. Magical engineer Frank and I are ready to roll. Thanks for joining us on American Voice Radio. Oh, we're going to be talking about the strategy of war. Not the kind of war you're thinking of, though. Uh, Also, we're going to be talking about some uh, vaccine news, some viral invaders and things like that to help protect you. So making you aware so you can be more powerful than you think. Um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about, and we have a quack report. But uh, before um, 
we get to all that great stuff. Big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform. We're lifting them up in prayer, asking God's hand of protection beyond them. And I ask God to protect all of America, the, you know, the righteous people here in America that love the Lord. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.